Hello everyone and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. If this is your first time being here, I want to say a big welcome and thank you for checking out the show. If you've been coming here for a while, we're happy that you chose to return for another week. It always makes us happy to know that there are people out there who want us to entertain them and talk about video games. So thank you for being here. We have an awesome show coming at you today. If you've been on the internet for any amount of time and you've seen people talk about video games on social media, chances are you've seen people talk about movies that have been adapted from video games. It's a conversation that invokes the ire of many fans. But something that is less common is talking about video games that have been adapted from a specific movie. So, we wanted to discuss which games adapted from movies do we think are the best. After we give our thoughts regarding the topic, we will read out and reflect on the comments left by you, the listeners. Next, we will be discussing the games we have played this week. We will discuss our final thoughts on Pokemon Legends Arceus, as people are still addicted and can't break free of its grasp. It's we. We are people. We will also be discussing Dying Light 2, Sifu, and Ali Ali World. To round up the show, we will be revealing the results of the social media polls voted on over at the Instagram by you guys, the listeners, the chompers, the people who listen to our show. So let me go ahead and introduce you to the crew that you'll be listening to in this episode. First, I'm joined by a man whose co-worker attempted to Pavlov him, but was discovered early on. Since then, he has poured thousands of his own dollars into purchasing golden retrievers. He trained the dogs to have to go to the bathroom at the click of a pen. He brought two of his dogs in every day to his job as service dogs. And when his co-worker would click his pen in an attempt to Pavlov this man, the dogs would go into the co-worker's cubicle and lay down some brown fire. Yes, take a shit. After days of complaining to no avail, the co-worker quit and became an NFT collector. The man who I'm about to introduce now works in both cubicles, using the other one as a ball pit for his dogs. Please welcome to the show, Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good, and that intro is based on some parts of a true story. I know, that's like, I couldn't think of anything to write for your intro this morning, and I was like, you know what, I'll just use some of the stories you literally just told me 20 minutes ago. Yeah, perfect, you gotta, you know, write what you know, and that is a thing you heard. A thing I heard, which is a thing I kinda know. Yeah, yeah but, that's... Do, you think, do you think this is something you would do as revenge? Um, I, you know, uh, golden retrievers, pen clicks, uh, profit. I think so. I think yeah. there's a winning formula there, to be honest. With it's you. feasible. And it's feasible. Hi, because poop. Yeah. But I, I know, like, I just saw you yesterday as we were doing some other content. But for the sake of uh, introducing to this episode, how are you doing this week, man? Um, I'm okay. Um, I'm I was supposed okay. to get a raise, but they fucked it up. So, uh, how, how yeah, do you fuck up a raise? Today. 
Oh, it's really easy. Like, uh, when you work in an accounting department for a business, you're bad at your job. Oh, I like. I feel like it's not difficult. It's this man should get more money, or this woman, or this human being. Let's let's not let's not. Uh, or this alien, or this dog. Discriminate. Fuck it. Yeah, I mean, dogs. Nothing work in the hard rule too. book says a dog can't get a raise, or whatever DJ Qualls is. <laughs> That is a reference I don't know how many people would get, but I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I don't know why I did that. That's, I thought that was a I, I liked it. I liked it very much. But no, I feel like it's along the lines of, oh, this, this entity deserves more money. Yeah. Let's give them more money. Okay. End mm-hmm. of story. Well, that part but, was established. Um, it was the fact that like people had signed off on it, and I should have seen it reflected in this pay period, and it was not. And that's frustrating. Yeah. So what what do you do about that in that kind of situation? Well, like you personally, not a person. I I personally called the people who were actually in charge who um I got to contact accounting and uh the 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 actual person who like oversees all this is actually very apologetic and assured me that um I would see the extra money the following week. I I have a question that's probably going to be a little uncomfortable for you here. Do you feel like the raise reflects the amount of work and the quality of work you bring into your job? No. Do you feel like that is at all entitlement on your behalf, or is it just you being honest and... Oh, it's um, me being honest. I'm severely underpaid. Okay. I mean, that lines up with kind of where the world's at right now. That, that's kind of why I was asking. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to stray from video games and talk about finance and... Welcome to the finance, jump. <laughs> It's the finance cast where three guys who have no idea what they're talking about are going to give you financial advice. Me a money needing a lot now. Stop eating avocado Starbucks coffee. Squat in your neighbor's attic. I thought you were going to say in your neighbor's ass and I was like, whoa. Kill God. Profit. Maybe. That's all we talk about here is profit. Go make, back in time and write The Simpsons. Make dat money. That's all you got to do. You make that money. I'm going to make it. Uh, well, Rich, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy that you're getting a raise better than Invent no raise. toaster strudel. God, dude, I could go for a toaster strudel right now. I haven't had a toaster strudel in years. Now I really want a toaster strudel. Brown sugar cinnamon toaster strudel. Right now. I will go. That I will settle for... I will settle for almost any toaster strudel. That's yeah. how long it's been since. But I'm saying if I got one. the if I got the pick, man, if I got the cream of the crop, brown sugar cinnamon toaster strudel, that shit slaps. Mm, that's good. That sounds good. Well, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Thank you for being here. Um, even though you don't have a toaster strudel for me, I don't even have a toaster strudel for me. Well, how dare you? Next, I am joined by a man whose first question every single morning is. <sighs> I'm doing this life shit again. Please welcome Joshua Fowler. Josh, how you doing today, buddy? (sighs) (laughs) I'm doing this podcast shit again. (laughs) I feel like we just did this. I feel like we did too. Mm -hmm. But no, I was... I was telling you before the show, Josh, that like recently I'd been writing these really extravagant um, in-depth intros and i was like i'm just gonna give josh 
what, what I know he likes to talk about. Mm-hmm. Simple of, fuck this shit. Um, why am I doing this again? Keep it simple and elegant, which is what you like. So I hope you're satisfied with this intro this week. Simple and elegant. Classic Josh. Mm-hmm. That's the name of his, uh, fir- his first uh, whiskey line. That's a decent name, honestly. Simple and elegant. Classic Simple Josh. Simple elegant. Ho ho! Merci beaucoup! <laughs> I am French! <laughs> Josh, I've also realized that the last three weeks in a row, we've co-opted your, your intro every time. Yeah, we no, just really take charge. Seems to happen. Um, sorry yeah. about that, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to pay a credit card bill. <laughs> um, what was how the you question? doing this week? How are oh, you doing this we, week? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm exhausted. We've been. Uh, this is a, uh, but as you mentioned before, we had stuff going on last night as well, and. Uh, yeah, I'm just I need some sleep. I need some sleep. I was uh getting ready for the show early. I was prepared and everything. Got everything set up and got in my chair, get my headphones on, ready to go. Fell asleep. <laughs> and uh didn't wake up until Rich started the call and scared the fuck out of me, which is with terrifying. That, with that call ringing. Um Yes. And waking up somewhere I did not expect to be. And yeah, that was. I paid my think, credit card. Don't worry. All right. I think that's one of the, the worst feelings in the world is like when you are napping, not when you're fully sleeping, but you're napping. Mm-hmm. And there's something that completely jostles you out of that. And you're like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. You have that initial like feeling of waking up like, yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. I sp- I'm supposed to be oh, working my life away. Out of a deep like daytime nap when you're like, what day is it? Yep. <laughs> yes. It could be mm-hmm. day, yes. night, Thursday, Tuesday. You don't fucking know. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a terrifying. Someone's making a meatloaf downstairs, but you live alone. <laughs> That's how long and you were asleep. Naked. Another family moved in. Mm-hmm. As one does when you while you were asleep. They didn't know they had an upstairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, the family moved in downstairs. What family? I'm just sleeping. <laughs> They're really I'm nice. They gave me some of this meatloaf. Ugh. Is there anything more disgusting than meatloaf? Not. A, you can make a really good meat. I, I made a really good meatloaf tonight. I'm sorry. I hate meatloaf. You gotta oh, no. prepare is it properly. A... That is the most fucking American food there is. A loaf of meat. Just a loaf of meat. Like it's, if someone if like one of my it's mostly my, not meat, right? Yes, I know, but Okay. Like peppers, I, it's cheese, mo- I mean like an Italian meatloaf. If oh that sounds good actually. But if one of my students were to ask me the one of the weirdest foods we have in America, it would definitely be me saying meatloaf, for sure. Strange hill to die on considering they have loaves of beans there. And they're very good. They are very good. Yeah. As he, no, no, I feel like the, the problem. Anyone who scoffs at a meatloaf 
has only eaten like that shit tier like frozen dinner version of a like go get yourself some fucking meat from a butcher prepare it properly get something good in there like some fresh peppers some cheese like there's a million different ways to prepare a meatloaf and they're all delicious if you do them correctly yeah, like that's you don't that, you don't want fair. the base to be white bread that you picked the mold out of to make this this meatloaf. It's it's uh the bread matters. Yeah. Quite that's a bit. That's fair. You know, like when I think of meatloaf, I do think of like that shitty TV dinner level sludge. Meatloaf, so. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is that is garbage and like I feel like people have that association and anyone who feels that way, like I understand why you feel that way. Cause you've clearly never had like a real home prepared with care meatloaf. It's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, and before we go any further, I'm Shay calling in from Japan. <laughs> I, they definitely have some weird food of their own here in Japan as well. Yeah, you know, like I've seen, I've seen corn, like bread with yeah. pieces of corn baked into it. And that's what they sell in, in, in the convenience about cornbread? And is it, you're describing cornbread. <laughs> no, no, not quite. It's like it's like corn, but with this like weird sauce, and it's baked into the bread. And look, I'm not against that, except when I go to the convenience store, I'm pretty sure that's the absolute last thing I'm gonna buy in the convenience store. That's fine. I would probably you know, try like it if cool. I was there, just to be like, "What's the deal here? What's this about?" Yeah, yeah. They, they also a sesame put corn seed on bun, the but they were all too. out of sesame seeds. Give me that yakisoba pan, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm. They do have some really good bread here. I mean, obviously the bread culture isn't as good as something like the U.S. or hashtag bread culture, France New York, or, baby. Or yes, but they do have some interesting and cool breads here. The U.S. That's that's, that's true. bread in general. I think is kind of what makes the meatloaf situation so dicey, because you go from just absolute trash tier almost everything in a grocery store to everything else which is bread culture imported from all around the world getting it from someone who knows what they're doing but yeah i also i think i speak from a place of privilege where i have a friend whose family owns like a chain of bakeries in new york so like i'm like i need bread and he's like come by the bakery Mm -hmm. like and i mean like the i have to go to the like financial district where there's this weird fucking like industrial bakery that they move all their bread from in the morning that's dope what's your favorite bread to get rich um, I am partial to a French bread, like a nice baguette or something like that, which is usually what I pick mm. up from him. Um, they also make some pretty dope bread bowls that sometimes if I'm making like a soup or something, I'll go pick up some bread bowls from him. That sounds there nice. I, I'm a pretty basic bitch. If somebody puts in like a five cheese and bakes that into the bread, that's good. And stuff. it's like, it's a little bit gooey. Oh, like. You you could probably lure me into some really sketchy situations if you have a nice cheese bread. Oh yeah, just get that smell wafting down a, out from a dark alley. Yeah, dude, I I I will I will go places. I will do things for a nice cheese bread. Mm-hmm. I hate to admit it, but I will. Just saying. Yeah, but the detectives just- find the body the next day. Scent just still lingering in the air. Like, no, I get she- it, man. I, I get it. It's cheesy bread, Captain. Mm-hmm. Damn it, another one. These kids—they're getting younger every day. <laughs> another one. 
DJ Khaled somehow joins the police force. Another one. <laughs> captain DJ. I want to now write a police procedural where <laughs> DJ Khaled is the captain. That would be the worst, best thing I think you could watch. And DJ Qual is the lead head of Homicide. There DJ we go. Qualls. We got it. We, gave we, we brought it back around. DJ Qualls. DJ Qualls, where are you these days? And like people just keep staring at him and they're like, is he like 12 or like 60? I can't tell. I think he probably looks closer to his age nowadays. You know, back in the the judge of that when I Google DJ Qualls right now. Well, that's the first Google search he's gotten in about three months. He has a Google alert set up. He's going to. Oh, he's got a beard. That was a good choice for him. Yeah, it definitely ages him by a little bit. But, um. Yeah, let's get into the show. Let's actually talk about video games now instead of finance breads and DJ Qualls, uh, which is probably going to be the the title of this show. <laughs> finance bread and DJ Qualls, because that's what we're we're here to talk about. No, um, so I put this topic in our Trello some time ago because I know that we've had this discussion many times about, um, about video games that were turned into movies. We, we, we've discussed that on the show. But I think it, one of the most overlooked topics is, you know, video games that were created from a movie specifically because I think when we think about those ki- types of video games, usually it's associated with poor quality or just a kind of a money grab uh, or as a way to appeal to the children, give them something to do. But I actually think there are legitimately some really great video games that have been created from movies. Um, I'm not saying there are a lot of them. I'm not saying objectively they're masterpieces or anything like that. But there have been some really good games that have come out of movies. Mostly because that doesn't really happen anymore. But there used to be a a tie-in game for like almost every movie that came out. Right, exactly. So I wanted to discuss that today because I, I have a feeling there's going to be some of the usual suspects and then there will be some kind of off the wall, off the beaten path choices that we each have. And um, after we kind of have our discussion on that, we will read off some of the listener comments that we left on the Instagram this week. So sure. I'm going to go ahead and start start off with you, Rich, because I, I always feel like you have just this pool of knowledge that always surprises me and i have a feeling you're gonna have a an, a unique pick so i'm gonna lead off with you i'm actually wondering how unique it's gonna be because when you asked this question i made like a short list and was posing of what i think are like the most important movie tie-in games and to start i'm gonna go with what i think is like kind of undeniably the most known and the most notable movie tie-in game goldeneye 007 ah uh, yeah yeah when we have this discussion, that's got to be the first one that's always mentioned. I because think. people forget that it's a movie tie-in game somehow. Yeah, I mean, that game was revolutionary for its time, and it's noted as revolutionizing shooters for the first for the console. In the console space, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's crazy, because it was a, a movie at first. Yeah. And it, and it became one of the most popular games. It's That's also kind of one of the stupidest Bond films and my favorite. <laughs> I mean, it's no yeah, Moonraker, yeah, but it's yeah. pretty dumb. It, it definitely got the big dumb fun part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, we've, we could talk about GoldenEye all day. Um, it's, like, still such a lasting game. Like, you talk about that... Um, 
360 remake that never came out that I obtained totally legally. Um, <laughs> and uh, the like source port remakes, people have done of it on Steam and stuff like that. Like, people still love that game. That game is still fucking great when you are able to uh, bolt modern controls onto it. Uh, yes. And it, and it is one people don't think about in terms of, oh, right, that is a movie game. Uh, right. It's just a super important game. It's one of the most important games on the N64. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the, that first-person shooters would be where they're at without that game, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, that open-source one that came out, I think it's about seven years ago now, was such a fun game. It was really I good. I still keep that installed. It's, it's fun to go back to every now and again. It is. Uh, do a lot of people still play it? There's uh, a thriving community on that always. I figured. I figured as much because... It's not you know, hard to get a match. Like, maybe, depending on the time of day, you might queue for a few minutes, but you, you'll get a match. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's still such... <coughs> excuse me. There's still such a fervent amount of people who love that game. Yeah. I think it will always have a following. Absolutely. But, uh, Josh, what was one of the uh, first games you thought about when you were um, thinking about this topic? I mean, another... Somebody's going to pick my number two. Oh, I know. Um... <laughs> Another obvious one that's just really important to the uh, to the industry is uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial by Atari. <laughs> I figured that was going to be said by one of you two. Really important to the landfill community. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The 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 movie adaptation that nearly killed an entire industry. Um, there's something yes. to be said for that. Could you imagine that happening in 2022? I mean, they're trying as hard as they can with some of these. What What's crazy is, like, we try and say, like, games don't get made like that anymore, but they totally do, just on a different scale and a different budgetary thing, because, like, yeah. the more you dig into that, and I have dug into that a lot in the past, because I love that fucking weird bit of history, like, that game came together the way it did, because a lot of, oh, you gotta have the game out by this day, and you're like, yeah, we can do that, and then the minute the door goes, like, we can't fucking do that, that's not, that's not feasible, I don't know why we said yes, I don't know why I keep telling this man yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder how many projects have been greenlit with that, kind of like, that, that thought process of, oh yeah, we can get this done, oh wait, shit, no we can't, well, what, what the fuck, I think, why did I say that? I think that speaks to the quality of a lot of these movie games and why a lot of them are remembered as bad because a lot of mm -hmm. them are teams that are not very experienced uh, getting handed a movie game and going, you need to get this out in the window of the film release. This needs to be on mm -hmm. shelves before the movie hits theaters. Yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy that that used to be kind of where we were at in, in society was that something like that needs to be pushed out quickly and before the movie even drops or immediately after the movie drops. It's, yeah. It was a different mm -hmm. landscape at the time when this kind of stuff was happening. And it was similar to the film industry, which is like a lot of the times people throw around the term in, when making films like one for them, one for me in terms of the studio where it's like you make the, the Madagascar... <laughs> So, Madagascar 2, Escape to Africa. I don't know if that's the title. I'm making it up for the for the Xbox so you can go make Oddworld, you know? That's not a real thing that happened. I'm just using that as, like, an example. Yeah, no, no. Right. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't have Call of Duty without Stuart Little 2. Exactly. There you go. 
that's what people <laughs> are always saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a wild. It was a wild time, and ET has such a very specific story. Um, I'm sure it's. I'm sure you have that on your short list. Um, <laughs> for chomping at the bits, Rich. Um, I don't know if we will ever do a full episode on ET. I would like to do an episode on Atari, and it will definitely come up there. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. Doing a whole game on or episode on that game would not make too much sense because it doesn't have a lot of influence about what happened to current games, but definitely yeah. had it has an interesting story more <laughs> Absolute, than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I was thinking about this this topic, I, I of course have some of mine that are near and dear to me, which I will kind of talk about a little bit later, but. One of the first ones that came to my mind that is important that kind of stood out to me was the Aladdin, and I I paired them together because obviously it came out in a double pack later on. Was the Aladdin and Lion King games that came out? Which because, ones? Uh, the good ones or the, the Sega the ones? The Sega Genesis ones. So the bad ones then. Well, sorry, the Super Nintendo Sega Genesis that era. Well, no, they're different games. They didn't port oh, them. They gave them to two different studios and said, "Go." Oh, really? Yeah, yes. yeah. I didn't it's, know it's, that. It, and uh, they're they're both actually pretty good in their own way. It's just yeah, they're very 100%. different games. The um, I most people kind of contend that the the SNES ones are better. Uh, I some people, and I would I would mostly agree with this, despite the weird Sega sound chip stuff. Like some of the FX and music stuff in this in the Genesis ones are a little bit better. Yeah, they were right. pretty hard on some of the animations and stuff on, yeah. on that one. Um, yeah. But they are totally different games. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I guess pick and choose whichever one you want from that <laughs> era. I, I have I, memories of both. Pre- pretend you agree with me. Uh, yeah. yeah, just yeah. let's meet in the middle, I guess, is, <laughs> let's the, just, is, is the best right. thing to do. Let's meet in the middle. I really like the Game Gear version of Lion King. Okay. I have no reference point with that, but all right. I know I played that at one point. Of batteries to get through. Yeah, I, I remember going through an entire suitcase worth of batteries at a summer camp once playing that. And uh, uh, what was it? It, it, it was it was the port of like Sonic. Sonic Spinball. Uh, no, there no, was no also, not, not there, the one specifically for the Game Gear, but like the, there was the a port ports. of Sonic Two. I had yeah, that. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what it was. It was the port of Sonic Two. Yeah, I um I really like those games because I think that it's it's one of the games that people talk about is like one of the most brutal and difficult video games, Aladdin and Lion King both. And that's yeah. kind of crazy that out of all the games that you would think, "Oh, these are, you know, the industry standard for difficulty," that they are consistently talked about as being one of the most difficult mainstream games to ever come out. And they they're objectively fun but they are also objectively incredibly difficult games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was, <clears throat> excuse me, at a time where Disney wasn't as <clears throat> precious. Uh, they weren't trying to put a stranglehold on things that were coming out. You know, they weren't trying to regulate it as much as they do nowadays. They, uh, they, they were kind of still pulling up out of a nosedive during the 90s. And they weren't they weren't as eager to, you know, dip their toe into an industry they didn't understand. They just understood, hey, we can license this, we can make a little money. Yep. And I think some of the difficulty that you're talking about, Shay, 
probably speaks to a lot of the way games were made back then, especially like platformers like that, where, you know, a lot of the time, like, the game was like a portion of the way through development before they even knew what license they were getting. It was like, hey, you're making an action platformer where you're playing as a guy with a sword, and eight months into development, it's an Aladdin game now. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of crazy how some of those those came about. Like, those even have their own interesting stories kind of tied around them and how they came to be there and i think it was really cool for them to get their own release later on like the the ps4 collection release which um i was kind of surprised we ended up getting not that it's the biggest deal in the world that they got remastered and ported and released i still think that's awesome in general as a whole but i you know i was a little bit surprised that they they got that much love the Disney you know? Saturday Morning Collection did pretty well that Capcom put out, and I think that's why they ended up, uh, you know, seeing that there was a draw for that after that that collection with you know Ducktales and Darkwing Duck and the Rescue Rangers game, which is another great mm-hmm. collection of those classic Disney platformers. Mm. Yeah, Disney was at at the time like in the in the eighties and nineties really putting out some pretty decent games. I, uh, I'll go I'll go ahead and mention one of the ones that I really like that I know nobody has really played is uh there were two fantasia games that came out in the 90s in the early 90s and one of them it was the first fantasia game it was a very very brutally difficult platformer and it was one that my father had uh picked up when he had a genesis and he used to game all the time and i would try and play that game and it just it is so fucking brutal and nobody's nobody's ever fucking played that game and objectively, it's not a great game. I, I, I'm more than willing to admit that. But it is a fun... I still think it is a fun game. But nobody's ever played it, I think. So I, I don't know. I, like, it, I kind of... I have a hard time saying objectively it's a great game. Because I know it's not. But at the same time, I had a ton of fun with it as a child. Uh, and I would kind of be curious to see like what your guys' thoughts are on that game now. You guys would probably hate it. And understandably so, but I I still think that there is fun to be had in that game. But that that was more of a personal choice for me. Sure, uh, Disney Disney was putting out some really decent games, not great, but decent games during that time. It was most I think they were just mostly licensing to the right people. Like they had like Capcom making platformers for them. You kind of can't go wrong there. That's true. That's a really good and point. As a well. lot of that success comes from just being less precious with their IP. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, Rich, what's what's another choice on your short list? Um, another one that I think is like undisputably important is uh, Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay, oh, uh, yeah. which was a tie-in movie prequel to Chronicles of Riddick, and is just a fucking phenomenal game. Like, I kind I like that game more than I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny both those works. games are pretty good. I think that's the better of the two yeah that is the the one that is remembered as like oh that's a good fucking game yeah hmm what what is it about the game that's good i never played the chronicles or riddick games um it's just a it's a pretty well put together third person action game like stealth elements it's it's like a weirdly narratively deep prequel setup for Mm -hmm. the the film it sets up that universe pretty well. Like I, I wouldn't say anyone should is gonna feel lost watching the movie without that or anything, but 
Uh, Riddick is an interesting universe to begin with, and it a game is a much better space to flesh out a world like that. Um, it plays well, I think, like, you know, even by today's standards, it's still something I wouldn't mind sitting down and playing. Like, uh, fun game. Uh, it's original Xbox, I want to say. I'm trying to think timing-wise. Let me just verify mm. that. That sounds right. I think it's on Steam. I think there's a I, there, there is a Steam port that works pretty well even today, as far as it's easy to get it. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to play. Uh, like you shouldn't have problem running it on on. Yeah, it is on Steam. I don't think you should have any problem based on what I'm seeing here running it on uh, modern hardware. But it uh, yeah it was put up in 2014, I believe it was ported to Steam. Mm. Uh, but just it's one of those things like some games from that era can either be a total mess or they can still kind of hold together. Like it controls well. It looks pretty good. Um, it's well written. Okay. That's interesting. I, I, I never got around to playing those games. I think that was probably during a time where I was less likely to try games spur, uh, spawn from a movie at that point, but that's interesting. Okay. Uh, Josh, what's another choice on your short list? Um, another one of these, it's not good. But at the time, I played a ton of it. Little um, Nicky for the Game Boy Color. <laughs> uh, the, the, Barbie the, World. The, uh, the PS1 uh, Phantom Menace tie-in I game i like that game it's not I, good i like that game. i really like that game I, Me yeah too. i played so much of that back in the day um just with friends passing the control around every time we died it's just it's really bad i really like it a lot yeah so many good memories of of that not a great game <laughs> if you That's wanted fair. to play a star wars game where you play as liam neeson a lot yep we got a game for you mm-hmm Speaking of episode one, Pod Racer. Yeah, yeah. I hesitate to even call it a movie tie-in, but I guess it is. I guess it is. Yeah, like it's close enough. Like they didn't try to do the whole exact. It ties into the good part of that movie. Exactly. Right. Like they weren't trying to like retell the, the story part, like honestly. a lot of the other, you know, video game movies. Yeah. Or or movie video games rather. Sure. Um. But yeah, it, it definitely got what was cool about the pod racing and just drove it home. Like specifically the N sixty four version, the the PS one versions, kind of crap. I um, didn't even know the PS one version existed. The N sixty four one is the one I think of as well. Have you? Yeah, have you guys didn't ever really have the, the um... hardware to stream the textures in the way they needed to, and it was just it chugged. Have you guys ever yeah. played the uh, the arcade cabinet version? Yes. Nope. Oh, that's yeah. just del- a delight with, with your the you custom got, controllers. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's got throttles. like dual throttles for each of the boosters. It, that is, it's fucking. I great. would love to f- to still have a cabinet of that. That would be a great I would, game it, to have. If a I had the of. the space and the money, mm-hmm. I would buy an arcade cabinet of that in a fucking heartbeat. Well, while I'm gonna go on my next next one, you guys should look up how much that arcade cabinet would cost. I will do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go into my next one while you guys are looking that up. That way, uh, there's a little bit of flow. The Die Hard trilogy for the PS1 is one I think we definitely have to mention. Because that, especially the first game in that trilogy, the first one is where it was kind of a a, a weird third-person action shooter game. Uh, the quality, per se, isn't that high. But the the 
in terms of graphics, but it was a super fun game, and I, it was a super popular game back in the day on the PS1. You know, there were a ton of people playing it at that time when it first came out, and it was one that I know my friends and I would talk about pretty heavily, like, oh, what level did you get to? Because basically you're ascending uh, Nakatomi Naka, Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, I, th- I thought I had that right. I just wanted to double check. Nakatomi Plaza, and each level you're you're trying to accomplish a different mission. You're trying to save citizens and kill all the terrorists. And it was a a lot of domestic terrorists, I should say. By the way, they're and, German. Uh, I sorry, I should say white terrorists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or predominantly white terrorists. But Alan Rickman, lo- just say Alan Rickman. All Alan Rickman. It was a lot of fun. I um I absolutely, absolutely think that game was I wouldn't say necessarily influential, but it was monumental at the time. It was so freaking important to um the PS1. It it was it was a cool action shooter game that I think started to popularize that genre a little bit more uh i can only find one of these uh <laughs> on ebay fully intact that it's going for almost ten thousand dollars yeah that's not yeah, that's bad. what I'm, looking at. I'm only finding parts like if yeah. you wanted to rebuild it from parts i mean probably in the same ballpark the, to have literally the only one that is being sold in existence yeah. not bad well it's just it's it was one of those ones that got taken apart fairly and, early yeah. on for floor space reasons because it had like the big cab like seat cabinet thing for you to even sit the back in, is designed to look like Anakin's, Anakin's pod, pod racer yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's a bulky cabinet and it is a cabinet that unless you start tearing it apart can only be used for that fucking game yes yeah so it just it makes sense that it's hard to find at this point but that was a good arcade mm. game I'm I'm kind of glad I'm not rich because I think I would yeah, own a mansion and half of my mansion would be buying arcade cabinets. Yeah, I think that would be half of my mansion. Yeah, I yeah exactly. I I ended up having to like open my house on weekdays just to try and recoup some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you're rich at that point, you don't need to fucking give a shit. But um, yeah, I mean, what the fuck is that? What are we in Paris? Um, the siren. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, I, I was thinking it was coming from Josh's end, which is more confusing. <laughs> no, it's coming from my end. It happens every week. But th- that's a topic we're actually going to do a little bit later. Is um, what what games we would have in our personal arcade if we were to have yeah. one. So we'll be we'll be exploring that topic. That one's been in our backlog for a very long time. So it's one I've been wanting to do for quite some time. And maybe we'll do it sooner than later. So um, it's one I could talk at length about. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's such a fun thought experiment to think about what we would put in there. Um, let's do two more choices each because I think I could honestly I could go on this topic for a long time. Oh, but I, I, I want to get yeah, I, I don't want to wear it out, but I could I could talk about this for fucking ever. Yeah, let's let's do two more each. So, Rich, uh, what's another one you got? I got one more. I'll, I'll give you one more good one, and then I'm gonna end on a bad one. Okay. Um, <laughs> Spider Man Two. Uh, from the, the Sam Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man films. Uh, I feel like this is another uh, fairly obvious feeling one. It's that Spider-Man game with an... It, it's the first like real Spider-Man game with an open world 
the first one where I feel like people point to as like the swinging feels amazing. Like you're, you're still gripping up on nothing. You're just gripping on fog, but it is the first time we got that like fully realized open world, New York where it just feels amazing to navigate. And it's obviously only gotten better with every iteration of Spider-Man games from there. But like Spider-Man is object. Spider-Man objectively makes for cool video games back when Neversoft was doing it. Now when Insomniac's doing it, and Spider-Man 2 was the first, like, real step into, like, these games can be fucking amazing. Haha, <laughs> amazing. I, I want to just double check because I think, I think I'm correct in saying this. Neversoft was the one who worked on the original Tony Hawk game. Yes, so, right? and they made the Spider-Man games for the PS1 that I also have a very soft spot for. Yeah, they, they were, uh, they're not around anymore. Activision mm-hmm. absorbed them, correct? Yeah, they Neversoft has not been around for quite some time. Yeah, that's a shame. I, they, they were a really quality studio back when we were children. Yeah, the the people that were making those games definitely moved up and on to other places. Like, I don't, I feel like the talent more than likely wasn't lost, at least not in troves. But back in the PS One era, Neversoft made some bangers. They really did. Yeah. So I mean, like the pedigree is there for for like su- support wise to back up kind of what you're saying because yeah, yeah. it was this, a really the, good oh studio. just to be clear, this wasn't them. Oh, okay. I thought it was. Uh, Neversoft made Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro, which are PS1 games. Uh, oh, okay. Let me, let me verify. That I believe it's Treyarch that made this game, but I just want to verify that. And the pedigree is less so good for that. <laughs> I don't uh, like Treyarch that much. Yeah. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's just some bitter resentment for back in the day when I used to be obsessed with Call of Duty. It, I was could, never... it could be. I was never a big um, fan of Treyarch. Yeah, it's Treyarch and Foundation 9 Entertainment. I've never uh, heard of Foundation 9 Entertainment. You know what's crazy is there's actually a ton of studios that uh, backed onto this, so let me just get them all out there. Treyarch, uh, Foundation 9 Entertainment, Vicarious Visions, The Fizz Factor, Digital Vicarious Eclipse. Vicarious Visions, I do know them. Digital Eclipse, you probably also know. Um, mm. Backbone Entertainment and Driver and Inter LTD, which a bunch of these are probably just smaller, like, helper studios, but... Uh, that's kind of Tri- crazy that there was that much contribution from different studios. Triarch, Vicarious that's Visions, and Digital Eclipse are three, you know, names. Yes. Uh, names that people know in the industry kind of know. Yeah. yeah and, and that is a great fucking game that they made. I, I really do, granted, uh, this isn't the game you're mentioning, obviously, but I really do want to play those PS4 Spider-Man games because I think there would just be They're something They're really great. So- elegant and amazing about the just the physics of playing a spider-man game which would be amazing you they, know like infamous the, infamous was kind of not obviously not one to one in the same way thing. not in the same way but like kind of that same basic core principle in some ways well, i believe when, when josh and i talked about that game when we talked about miles morales and all that i think the most telling thing about um, those games. For one, Miles Morales, I platinum twice. I platinum the PS4 and PS5 versions uh, <laughs> just because I wanted to play it that much. But it's telling when a game has fast travel and you don't use it because it just feels that good to move around the world. Right. Right. Exactly. And do you feel like the game uh, Spider Man 2 is a really good precursor? Yeah. To... I, I think that's the clear foundation of where all that stuff started. Like, that's the first time web swinging feels really, really good. It's utilized well, essentially. Yes. And utilized in an open world format. That's dope, dude. Yeah, I, 
I I wish I would have been a little bit more open minded when I was younger and playing these style styles of games, you know, because I I know I definitely missed out on some fantastic games. It also has a great uh, series of side missions where you have to do Peter's uh, day job as a pizza delivery boy, and you have to deliver the pizzas in a time limit without doing any crazy swing acrobatics, or you'll ruin the pizza. Mm. As yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that shit. Uh, Josh, what's a what's one of your final two choices? Um, I mean, I don't think there are any more good ones. I think we hit them all. Um, I disagree, but we'll, you know, there are plenty there of others, are. but I don't. Think there's there plenty more... of bad ones. Yeah. Um, Looking through a list here to see if there's anything that's not terrible. Nope. Do you want, do you want me to go ahead of you while you're looking at the list? Go ahead. Go ahead. I think the Lord of the Rings games, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, The Return of the King, and even The Third Age are all very good games. Uh, I, I like Final Fantasy X, too. Huh. I like The Two Towers game, and I think it's more of a time and place thing. Uh, not not so much the other ones. I, you know, the Fellowship was decently good. I think the Return of the King is kind of pretty much a, a copycat of the Two Towers in a lot of ways. I think it's the a third, lesser version of it, but I get what you're I, saying. I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It was it didn't have the same magic that Two Towers did, but I definitely think um, the the Third Age was a phenomenal game for what it was like source material wise and how like how how do I word this the quality you wouldn't expect from that game versus the quality actually brought to the table um is probably the best way I can word that mm-hmm. I I thought it was a solid RPG um and it like it was I shouldn't say amazing that's probably a little bit of hyperbole I think it was a really fun game and I think that it was it was a qual a decent quality game and there was enough fun to be had from that game i guess but uh two towers would probably be the 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 peak for for that for the movie to games for that series and it is kind of a a mindless like take on 3d action games that's just like take down waves of enemies but i it hit at the right time for me i think where i really enjoyed playing that game did that have yeah yeah it did i thought because i think i i remember playing through these like renting them over a weekend. It was like a poor man's with, gauntlet with a friend and, you know, just eating a bunch of Totinos and playing these games. It's yeah. Like, and the Totinos were the high class portion of the affair. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I get PTSD I, thinking about kicking down those ladders at Helm's deep. I was just going to mention that like, <laughs> That and the mission after that where the wall's been blown in and you just have wave of enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy running at you. I have some PTSD from that. And I don't know if you guys remember the feature where you could just play in Saruman's Tower and you you go into each level as it gets harder and harder. That shit gave me PTSD. (laughs) That was brutal. I remember playing co-op with a friend doing that as well and like it gets pretty pretty hairy. Um, Yeah. Also, weirdly enough, the Two Towers game actually starts at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring. 
It does, yes. Yeah, because it's it's the mission where they're at. I can't. Oh fuck! I my memory's not serving me. That like you get to watch Boromir die. Yes, that's what I was alluding. You didn't want to spoil it. Uh, no, I I was trying to remember the name of the location. You know, I'm not that fervent of a it's, Lord of the Rings um, fan. But when you're leaving um, the Woodland Realm, but I, I forget the name of the the river or whatever the fuck where Lothlorien. Is yeah, when you yeah, leave yeah. That. yeah. I I wish I had that kind of memory that I can memorize all that stuff. Unfortunately, I don't. But and Legolas of the Woodland Realm. This motherfucker doesn't remember my last name. <laughs> <laughs> This motherfucker. No, but uh, I do think that those games were pretty good for their time. You know, they're fun. They are. They're, fun. they're the type of games that don't happen anymore, which is a shame in some ways and kind of okay in others. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, uh, have you had the chance to uh, come up with one of your final two? Just say Little Nicky for the Game Boy Color. Oh God, I, I, dude, I forgot that that happened until yeah. I was looking at a list for this, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I forgot that was a game. It's better that way. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. But yeah, Josh, what is uh one of your final two choices? No, I think we hit them all. Um, I'm looking at this. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe Wayne's World. Party time. Oh, God. Excellent. I've never played that. I'm sure it's trash because there are four different versions on four different platforms made by two different companies. Um, mm. That's so, a recipe for success. Yeah. Um, Wayne's World. Yeah. Wayne's Party time. World. Excellent. <laughs> Apparently, Rare made a Who Framed Roger Rabbit game that I've never heard of. So maybe that's they did. good. Doubt. They did indeed. Yeah, there there have been some Wait, weird hey, games throughout the years. Capcom also made a Who Framed Roger Rabbit video game. Interesting. I didn't know that actually. Huh. Two I, years I, I apart. They both took a swing at it. I don't know Never why. Never heard I just of rem- either of them. I just randomly remembered Blasto for the PS1. You guys remember that game? I remember Blasto. They were putting a lot of gusto behind Blasto. It was supposed to be a big deal. It's not very good. <laughs> no. It, that, I wanted to like that game a lot. and They I wanted you to. I couldn't get into it. It's not I good. Wanted. I understand why you couldn't. You know, I, I, I wanted to give it a fair shake. No, I, I think everybody did at the time. Yeah. But I just couldn't bring myself to do it, dude. I tried. I tried, Rich. That's okay. I'm not mad. I'm mad that I couldn't get into it. I'm actually pretty mad. I'm fucking <laughs> furious. I'm fucking furious. I'm just so mad. God damn it. I came. Um, okay, Same well, these. Josh, what is, uh, or not Josh, sorry, uh, Rich, what is one of your final choices then? Uh, you want to know what's funny is initially I was actually going to say a, a bad game, but then I remembered another good one I wanted to bring up. The oh, bad okay. one, so I don't leave anyone hanging, was the Fight Club game. That game's atrocious. Oh, um, God, yeah. <laughs> the, the good one, actually, and this is another one of those great ironic cases where... Warriors? Fan, no. Fuck that game. Uh, fantastic <laughs> game, terrible movie. Uh, X-Men Origins, me, can... Wolverine. Oh, I was going to say, can you give me a hint? But yeah, that that, awesome. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's a phenomenal video game based on a fucking terrible movie. It's just one of those cases of like, this ended up being a really awesome action game starring Wolverine that almost has, is like really loosely based on the plot of a fucking terrible comic book movie. 
I think that is one of the one of the few movies that came out from X Men that is just objectively fucking terrible during that time. Obviously, recently we've gotten a lot more stinkers, but yeah, that one was. That is um the the one Hugh Jackman led X Men project that is objectively fucking like irredeemably bad. Like there's no no you can't wring anything good out of it. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you're kind of proving yourself wrong there by saying that the game is really good. Like, so, yeah, I get no from the film itself. Like this tie-in project is really fucking good, but yeah, but the movie itself, not so much. Terrible version of Gambit. Terrible version of Deadpool. Yeah, what, what the fuck was that version of Deadpool? I'm so well, glad that I we mean, got actually, a different, different version of De- Deadpool. I guess the one good thing we could wring out of it is that post credit scene uh, from Deadpool 2 where Ryan Reynolds' current version of Deadpool travels through time to kill that version of Deadpool. That's true. That's a good point. It's a very good scene. It is a very good scene. Yeah. And I've, I've heard really good things about the game. I actually never played that game, but I've heard really, really good things about it. Yeah, like there's there's no big secret formula to break down. It's just a well-designed action game that feels fun to play. Yeah, and sometimes that's all you need. That's all you can really expect out of a a game that's been designed from a movie originally. Sometimes that's what the the best you can do. But like or the best you can hope for. That's the thing uh that is is cool about it because when you get a studio that's thinking in a smart way like the movie almost doesn't matter. Like they're like they're letting us make an action game about Wolverine. There's no reason that should be bad. No, There's no I, reason. No, I mean like that's part of why the uh, the beat 'em up X Men game back in the day was really fun because you get to play as Wolverine and it's a badass Wolverine. Hell, I like playing as Nightcrawler personally, but yeah, Nightcrawler is yeah. a really good character in that game as well. But I think most people get to live out their fantasy of playing as Wolverine. You know. But that's Nightcrawler, the beauty yeah. of of the X Men game. Everybody, everybody has a different fantasy about a different X Man. Yeah, when Colossus Star- comes into their room and fucks. Them. Jesus, fucking fuck! Goes, you got you know the the weird Colossus battle cry from that game. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Uh, Josh, while you're while you're searching for any others, I'm gonna read my last one really quickly. Uh, I, I know, <laughs> He's really I know, trying. I know. I appreciate it, Josh. That's why I'm I'm stalling. There's got to be something else here that's not complete trash. Um. Well, let me let me see what you think about this. Uh, the Hercules PS1 game. I remember, and I don't remember if that's a bad game, but I remember. But I remember having, it. <laughs> I remember having a ton of fun with that game back in the day. So much so that I went to my local video game rental store and i think i rented that game three or four times i had so much fun with that game video um, game rental store we're old yeah yeah we are but i i loved that game and i think hercules to be honest with you the disney movie hercules is one of the most underrated disney movies in the catalog in i general. adore that film that's a great movie it is a very good movie um obviously it's nothing like the actual hercules in mythology nothing like that or nothing like the Zeus in actual mythology. Like if you're looking for oh, that actual... Zeus fucks, both of them fuck. Both yeah, of them were yeah, terrible yeah. gods, fucking absolutely atrocious gods. Uh, the but, Greek gods are the best. They love to the fuck. Uh, but the, 
But the movie, the Disney movie, was awesome. They had some really phenomenal music in that movie, and they had Danny DeVito. DeVito playing. as a satyr. Yes. What more could you want? Maybe we but, could, uh, you know, it's uh, maybe James Woods as Hades doesn't age terribly well because James Woods is a garbage human. He is a garbage human, but he does play Hades very well. And thankfully, there's a ton of people we've learned, thanks to Kingdom Hearts of all things, that can do a James Woods impersonation real good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking James Woods, man. What? What? Who would have thought that guy would be in a dickhead? But... All he had to do was just shut up and be James Woods. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like telling LeBron James to just shut up. Well, that's that's going to be a le- reference that's lost on you, but telling LeBron James to shut up I, and dribble. I know who LeBron James is. I know, but that's an actual specific reference to something that somebody said to LeBron oh, okay. James years ago. That's why I'm saying that's a reference mm-hmm. lost on you guys. But Sure. Um, yeah, I, I thought that game was really good and heavily underrated back then, and it's heavily underrated now. Sure. So, uh, Josh, do you have... Anything that you can pull out of your ass for your final choice. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't know this was inflicted on the world. There is an Avatar The Last Airbender video game based on the movie. Oh, based on the movie? Uh, I thought you were the Wii br- that I didn't know existed, but now I may need to track down just because it sounds like a complete train wreck. I love the idea. It's like, it's so far removed from the source material at that point. Yeah. Like There's like three degrees based of on separation. The movie, yeah, based on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Ugh. God. I think M. Night Shyamalan should pay people to play that game at this point. Yeah. Fuck. Like, honestly, I I was defending M. Night Shyamalan for years after his you know, what people would consider his prime, which would be, like, Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, even Signs is, you know, that was the, what I think some people would consider the start of his downfall of good movies, but I I still like Signs up until the end. Yes, exactly. I think it is objectively a good movie until that final reveal, and even I like, I like it for what it is. Um, Sure. But I liked, I liked The Village, uh, even though I know a lot of people didn't like that. I even liked The Lady in the Water, which I know most people would fucking groan at that. But um, the happening was, like, for me, the start of... Oh, God, that movie is so fucking bad. It is. Ugh. I forgot is... about that movie until you brought it up just now. Right. And, and now I can't I... even finish the podcast. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm done. But after that, then the world was fucking just unfortunately subjected to his attempt at the last airbender which god damn dude that that i know it's fucking 13 14 years ago but it still makes my blood boil and it shouldn't because it's like it doesn't really affect me at the end of the day but god did fucking fuck m night Shyamalan for that anyways uh off, off that josh why do you love that game <laughs> actually looking this up here found a legitimate way to get it it's got a it's got a two average score on this place um which is inevitably what i want to do when i see that game uh-huh. take a number two yep right on the game yeah fuck that mm-hmm. fuck that oh you talking about token 
So oh, he took it. Goodness. Okay, well, let's get into some listener comments then, um, which you can leave every Thursday at the Swordchomp Instagram. Uh, I will post the topic of the show, and we will read your comments on the show. We love getting you involved, and sometimes you guys come up with creative ideas that we didn't, or creative answers that we didn't necessarily think of. So let's get into some of those. And we had a lot of comments this week, so I'm going to have fun reading some of these. Harry, the fucking, po- Is the Lawnmower oh. Man game based on the book? <laughs> I assume it's based on the movie, based off of the, you know... Okay, kinda... the movie is not based on the short story. Anyone who's read the short story can tell you that. Yeah, well, I'm based off of the kind of art style they're, they've got going sure. on. On the, you know, box art and whatnot. Sure. Then again... I'd much, be more, much more interesting in playing a video game based on the short story. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um... Luke Jonker once said Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets for GameCube is a good one. And that's what I've heard multiple people say. I like that one too. I agree. Actually, I wasn't thinking of that, but I agree. I like that game too. I've heard that's the best one out of all of the Harry Potter games that came out. I don't think any of them. Yeah. Compare. Yeah. I, I never played any of the Harry Potter games, to be honest with you. But I've heard this one is the best one. It's kind of like the one where it's almost like, oh, they were kind of trying here. Um, and it's one of those games where, and maybe this is probably more welcome in the era where it almost feels like the people making this game were more so making a video game based off the book, mm, okay. which ends up being inherently more interesting. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's kind of interesting. It's got a neat art style. It's, 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 it's a redeemable video game. It's interesting. You, you can kind of tell when companies were like, ah, let's not try anymore. And this was, I think, like probably on the edge of that when companies were still trying to act- actively make a good video game based off of a movie. Actually, EA ah! made it, so I don't think they were ever trying. I mean, looking That's... at that list, there was no effort put in starting in the 70s. <sighs> I almost disagree with that because the E.T. thing, like, the people who were making that wanted to try... Uh, they just kind of couldn't say no to the money from Hollywood and yeah. were f- sort of forced to, like, we need this yesterday. And they're like, well, that's not how making video games works. And they're like, well, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I kind of look at that as, you know, Goldeneye came out in the 90s, and that was a very well-efforted game. I know that's not a word or a saying, but I'm going to say mm. that. That's our well. That's actually that's our gold standard. Now we're introducing a new review scale. Uh, a ten is well efforted. Well efforted. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're wording it from here yeah. on out. Well efforted. Well efforted. The golden standard in video games. That's right. Uh, Kelly A. Mature, Maturo Eating. I always fucking struggle with that name. You're such a piece of shit. Uh, she said, "If I had to choose from these images, and it's the images that." of games I put up on the uh, Instagram for this post. 007, I can pop that card in right now and kick everyone's ass. And respect respect to you um, for having those skills, because I don't. I I struggle with that game. It's a fun game. I love that game for what it is and what it was, but yeah, I am not. I'm not going to be beating anybody's ass in that game. Well, you're playing it the right way with an N64 controller in each hand. (laughs) <laughs> now I was playing it with a Guitar Hero controller. Um, Kilted Gamer said, um, 
The Lego games are adapted from the movie material for some of the games, but literally straight from a movie, it would have to be the Super Star Wars trilogy. And I didn't really, per se, consider the Lego games to be on that list, but I would definitely consider uh, the, 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 Star the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. To other be on that other list. than the, I think they actually made a, one of those Lego movie games up from the Lego movie. That's um, different. Oh, That's yes. Different. Yeah. Actually, I don't, I've never, I never heard anyone actually talk about that one. Everyone else kind of generally agrees that the others are, are good, mindless fun, but I've never heard actually, anyone actually mention that one. Here's another one that would technically count, and this is actually a good game uh, Lego Ninjago, the movie, the video game. Oh, I've never go. seen Lego Ninjago the movie, but that's a good Lego video game. Mm. Okay, I never played that one. So I can't speak to that. They were like, it's a Lego game what's got ninjas in it. And I was like, sure, yep. I'll play that. And then someone emailed me a code and the rest is history. And the rest is fistery. <laughs> Did you guys ever play the... That's uh fucked up. <laughs> Did you guys ever play the Super Star Wars trilogy or no? Yeah. Um, I almost agree with this because the only one that's good is uh empire and it's also bad Mm. it's like un super empire strikes back is so fucking hard but i love that game like it is unfairly hard is a Mm -hmm. from that era of we're making games that are too hard and we know what we're doing but i adore that game okay josh did you end up playing that game or no no i played the game boy versions of them which are Worse. Worse. I have a, a copy of Super Empire Strikes Back on my on my shelf right on the other side of this desk. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. It also it- sucks. <laughs> yeah, A New Hope is interesting because it's got like a bunch of different gameplay types and it's still made as all games were back at, back in the day. Beat this game all the way through. When you start it up, there's, there's no saving anything. It's just turn it on, see if you can beat the game. Um, mm. Yeah, I I hope, and also saying you like uh Super Empire Strikes Back is like saying I like the first level of Super. I like the Hoth part of Super Empire Strikes Back. That's all I'm. The only parts you can ever get to. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Game Boy A New Hope then. one that I played a ton of is you wandering around in the desert on like the, a what um, looks like an RPG map, and then you go into like caves and you know, sand crawlers I, doing I, I, side scrolling fighting. And that's also terrible. And somehow try to collect enough parts to get off planet and then go do yeah. something completely different. I really hope, um, I, I can actually, and this will be towards the end of the year. So huge foreshadowing if it comes together this year, because the research has been insurmountable. Um, but I really want to do a chomping at the bits. That is just star Wars games, like through the PS one era. Hmm. There have been some really good Star Wars games during the PS1 era. I will admit that. I have vague memories of playing. I don't know which title it was, but there was one game that I played that I had a lot of fun with that my father had borrowed from one of his work friends for some some weeks. Bangers through like the SNES to the PS1 um, is when I'm like, there's some some bangers and some stinkers. Uh, We uh, Josh and I obviously talked about that Phantom Menace game we both like that admittedly is bad. also really like Jedi Power Battles. That's a great co-op Star Wars game from mm. the PS1. Um, Star Wars. 
Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's good. And that's in all mediums. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Um, Tani, our good buddy Tani, said, X-Men Origins Wolverine Uncaged is, in my mind, the best movie tie-in game because it's what the movie was supposed to be and, to date, the best use of Wolverine in a game. Crank that healing factor to 11 and let's go. I'm... I, I'm hoping Insomniac tops it. Like, I hope what the way we talked about Spider-Man, like, I'm hoping we look back on X-Men Origins Wolverine as like, that's where like we were like a Wolverine game could be awesome. And then Insomniac's new game, I hope, is what we look at as like the new gold standard. I hope it's a similar conversation. I think it will be. I mean, they have a good track record so far. Yeah. Yeah. Full, yeah. full faith in them. I think so, too. I like I haven't even really I don't even have that much experience, but I know how appreciated the spider-man games are so i have full confidence in them to deliver agree 100 percent. yeah um what's the next one my phone is uh trying to get me to okay google it these ps2 lord of the rings games are awesome and this was said by hyper chicken 3000 and uh our good buddy jay holbro one of our patrons said i love the third age i played that game way too much so i you know I, I, I appreciated that somebody else had actually heard of the third age and played it. I, I to played be that honest game with as you. well. I think it's um it was a big push at the time though, that game. Like because it was, you know, a famed Final Fantasy director making this Lord of the Rings game. Um mm. and I, I don't think it holds up that well, but there's some cool stuff in that game. There is. There is. Yeah. Bebop, uh, another good friend of ours, been a guest on the show. I have very fond memories of the Two Towers game on PS2, and I love the Jurassic Park game on the Genesis. The best, though, probably Final Fantasy VII based on Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Like, truly a remarkable <laughs> achievement as a prequel to the movie. Mm. And I told him to shut the hell up. That's a, based no, off that's, the movie, based off the phone. I was going to say, he, 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 mis- he misunderstood. We didn't say movies based on phone commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, he, he dislodged a memory for me when he talked about the Jurassic Park game. I don't know if you guys ever played the Lost World uh, yes. PS1 game where yes. you play as different dinosaurs. That game was fucking hard, but God, was that a fun game. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that game as well. I, it's one of those things, again, where I'm like, I bet you that game's not that good, but I have some fond memories of it. Right? Um, you get to play as all these different dinosaurs, which was a lot of fun. And You know what game we totally forgot, too? Um, Final Fantasy. It's based on that movie, Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Mm-hmm. Oh God, you're doubling down on that joke. That's <laughs> a really good <laughs> yeah, movie, actually, but it got so much shit because it had nothing to do with anything going on in anything Final Fantasy. They just stuck the name Square, on it. Square really wanted to start making movies. Yeah, is what was happening there, and yeah, never happened now. Yeah, no, the, the <laughs> movie's actually not bad, but no, it's not. Everyone somehow hated it because it wasn't anything to do with the games i saw that movie in a theater mm. God, who goes to movie theaters these days how how novel <laughs> <laughs> so so i actually learned something and i'm sure you guys both probably know it but i actually learned it for the first time this week is i um i was telling you guys about this yesterday i sat down and i watched this youtube video explaining the plot from beginning to end of Final Fantasy VII, because it's been a long time since I played the original sure. and beat the original. And when we had played the remake a few years ago, I was kind of confused on some, some of the details. 
of the original. So I watched this video and it summed it up really nicely. And then from that, I ended up watching the, the remake sum up video, which is also awesome. And then I watched the Final Fantasy X video um, summing up that plot, which was awesome. But I've never played that much of Final Fantasy X too. I've seen friends play it and I've played a little bit of it. And it's a game that I kind of want to go back to someday to actually play it. I own it, I just have never made it around to it. So I, don't, I didn't really know what the plot was of that game. And I actually was watching this video of also somebody summing that game up. And one of the things that I learned, the point of me telling you guys this story, is that it, the reason why Final Fantasy X-2 came out was because of Spirits Within. What, that movie ended up bombing so badly that um, the, the new director that had taken over um, Final Fantasy games at that time basically like up until that point the original director and I can't remember his name I'm terrible with remembering those things basically said I'm not we are not going to do sequels like each game is its own contained unit so the new director that um came on and was working on this was like well let's try it because we just lost a ton of money we have nothing to lose Final Fantasy 10 is a very beloved game let's try a sequel and see what happens mm-hmm. and um, they could reuse a lot of the assets from Final Fantasy X in ten two, and that game was essentially an experiment to see if sequels would work in Final Fantasy, and it was, in all intents and purposes, an, a success, not as much in the U.S. as it was in Japan. Actually, for its time, it was voted one of the top 100 games of all time in Japan. Um, oh, yeah. And that, was, and that, that game was born from the lack of success that Spirits Within saw. Which is crazy, because then you think about the next time they make a sequel, and it, like Final Fantasy thirteen do 2 was born from the lack of success that Final Fantasy thirteen saw. Right. That's such... Yeah. I still don't get that. Cause they I don't somehow... get that that's a better game than the original. Like, that's baffling to me. 13 2 is so much better than... I like to pretend it's the real Final Fantasy thirteen. It's... Like I think the storyline is somehow even more of a mess, but yeah. the combat starts from the end of thirteen, which is when the combat finally got great in thirteen. Yeah. And I absolutely love the combat system how did in we thirteen. Get on, how did we get on this? <laughs> My fault. I, I don't know, but yeah. I love the combat in thirteen, but it takes you twenty hours to find out what the combat system in thirteen is. Right. Yeah. You gotta I think it'd be kinda cool. Meter. Mm-hmm. I think it'd kind of be cool to do like a one-off episode where we don't talk about any other video games. We don't talk about like we don't necessarily have oops all tangents. We, you know, well, I, we would just talk about kind of like the history and evolution of Final Fantasy as a whole and what it's meant to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked I think about I'd Final do a podcast that would cover that. <laughs> That's true, but I think like looking at it all the way from like the, the very beginning up until now. I think it would be kind of a cool thing, just kind of going through the history, rolling through all of it. Um, we'll have to figure something out like that, because we, we all love Final I think, Fantasy. I think and... I do a podcast that should probably cover that. I would love sure. to like uh, do episodes about that with you guys. Well, maybe we're going to do it here. <laughs> Seems a little rude. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh... The six-year-long standing podcast is infringing upon your six-month standing podcast. Excuse the fuck out of me, Rich. Four months. 
<laughs> Get it right, bitch! <laughs> you piece of shit! Hey, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, Jay, let's get back on track though. Jay Hole Bro said, "I play a lot of movie tie-in games. If something, if it's something I'm interested in, a lot can be mindless fun. For me, the best movie game, though, would be Spider-Man Two, based on the Raimi trilogy. I played that more than any other game because the world never ends. You can keep swinging and doing challenges for hours. Hell yeah! I like that." Your like two of your your highest choices, Rich, were reflected by some of our patrons. That made that actually warmed my heart when you had mentioned them both. I was like, oh, and I'm sad I, there's I, not I, been any love for the game that almost killed the industry. We had a real PG. shot there, guys. We, we almost almost it. took it out. Almost, because uh, uh, I mean, yeah, no, I deliberately, in case anyone is ever wondering, I I deliberately stay away from these posts you make uh, before we do a show because I don't want to be influenced. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard to like even for me to sometimes not be influenced when I see some of what people comment cuz I'm like, "Oh fuck, yeah, that is a good choice." Yeah, yeah. I try my best not to be influenced by other people's choices as well. Uh Gengar053 said, "Those Lord of the Rings games were so killer to me growing up. I loved every second of them and put hundreds of hours into them." So good to hear some love there. Uh another one, Rich. Kanartiz07 Kanartiz said X-Men Origins Wolverine, the only game that's better than the movie it's based on. That's how I opened that, so yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if Misery Loves Company is the right way to say that, but Misery Loves Company. (laughs) Um, And also, a few more. JustSai85 said Aladdin for the SNES is decent. Which, you're right, it is decent. Ginger Express said the Die Hard trilogy. My man. My man, I agree with you. And then last, River City Dragon, awesome name, said X-Men Origins Wolverine. GoldenEye64 and Stranglehold are the first three that popped up in my head. I don't know Stranglehold. I don't think I ever played the Stranglehold game. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't either. But we had a lot of diverse, awesome comments to read on there, and uh, appreciate each and every one of you for you know chiming in on the topic of the show. So again, every Thursday at the Swordchomp Instagram, please leave a comment. We love reflecting on that. You ended up getting us on a Final Fantasy tangent out of that bebop, so be proud of yourself for that. Good job. <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to message me us. days later mm-hmm. saying you're welcome. But um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go take a break. Oh, surprisingly, we've already been talking for almost an hour and a half. So let's go on break. We will be right back and we will talk about some games. Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! Uh, m- what? What in the blazes is going on? X-Tree! X-Tree! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Sword Jump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com! Store. Dot swordchomp. Dot com. 
Yes! Store.swordchomp.com Store.swordchomp.com Yes, damn it! <sighs> it worked. I can enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. Hey, mister. Did you hear about store.swordchomp? We're back with uh, the Chompcast. Thank you so much for waiting for us. Uh, we're we're back from our break. We're going to just briefly talk about our final thoughts on Pokemon Legends Arceus because we talked about it at length last week. I think a lot of our thoughts and opinions of the show are the game on the show. So just to kind of get final thoughts because I know some of us have finished the game or almost rolled the credits at this point. And I thought it'd be a good time to just kind of get our final thoughts out there. So. Um, Rich, have you finished the game at this point? Yeah, I'm in the post game stuff. Okay. What What did you think about the ending I, and the kind of the final stuff in the game? I mean, the ending's pretty atypical Pokemon stuff, I guess. Uh, it's you know you got those legendary encounters. Um, and then there's even more of that in the post game. Uh, it's fun. Like the we've talked about it enough. Where I'm like, there wasn't some super strong narrative that was pulling me into this game i just like pokemon i like catching pokemon this game is delightful and sort of mindless in all the right ways like grindy Mm. in an entertaining fashion and um we are in like heat of review season at this point like gonna be dropping a few things probably over the weekend into next week i am in heat as well i'm horny as fuck (laughs) um i i gotta fuck you know wow Uh, i am going to be all of us are going to be playing a ton of shit and talking about a ton of shit, or I would probably plug away at this more. Uh, I'll, I'll do so here and there, I think just because I'm enjoying it and I'm hoping they put more content into it. But like I said it when we talked about the game before and I'll kind of leave my final thoughts at that. Like this feels like the next step for Pokemon. And I really hope that the mainline series doesn't feel like a step back after this. Like they need to learn from this. And we need to see that reflected in the next mainline game. And I, I, I hope we do. Yeah. I, um, so where I'm at right now, I've finished like, trying to think about how I can talk about it without being spoilery. Basically I've, I've rolled the credits. I rolled the credits last week and there are some additional content that you have to do to, um, have encountered some of the legendaries and <laughs> by doing that content, basically unlocks the ability to catch all the legendaries. And I've I've been working on kind of like some of the end game stuff, which is, you know, filling out the Pokedex, catching all the legendaries. I will say that catching the legendaries feels legitimately difficult in this game. The end game stuff. Like some of some of the legendaries you catch leading up to up to that point, not so much. But the end game legendaries feel very difficult, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of rewarding to actually have to try and catch those those legendaries, which has been nice. There, there's a lot more thought put into those ones. I, I kind of like the loop of having to catch all the Pokemon. I'm still enjoying that aspect of the game where you, you know, you have to fill out your Pokedex. It's, it's hasn't gotten as old. And I figured out different ways to kind of keep it fresh where, you know, I'm going to the outbreaks and trying to catch shiny sometimes and still get alphas. 
and then other times I'm just trying to, you know, get get to the level 10 standard of the Pokemon and the Pokedex, and then there are times where I'm trying to complete all the challenges. So there's still enough there, I think, that has been keeping me entertained even this many hours into the game. I think I'm like 60 hours in at this point. I'm still enjoying the loop. Um, And I'm if there's a certain point where I'm not enjoying one aspect of the loop, I go do a different aspect of the loop, and I think there's enough there to keep going, fortunately. Uh, but Jay, Jay, can I ask yeah. you, um, did you over-level like me? Uh, because I had to roll back a save three times because I kept one-shotting Palkia. I, um, I struggled with Volo the first time that I fought that character. And then I I went and just did some like capturing and fighting of things, and then I I did end up over leveling. And the second time I I pretty much rolled um, that fight the second sure. time around, which was a lot of fun. I haven't actually gone to catch Palkia again after that fight. I haven't went and done that yet, but um, mm-hmm. I was working on some of the. Um, the three I, th- I thought you did the the story though what i oh, i'm thinking of giratina i'm sorry i'm thinking of giratina <laughs> i'm sorry i mixed up the names yeah. yes no, palkia palkia yeah i just i i destroyed the first time i had yeah i had to roll back a save like three times because i kept like i'm like well if i use agile style i'll be fine and then i was not. yes yep yeah i i had uh troubles with that as well but then uh giratina that fight was difficult for me i don't have you done I have that not, fight i have yet? not done that one yet no okay i'll be curious to hear what you think about that fight it's a it's a pretty difficult fight um no doubt no doubt yeah so i'll i'll leave it at that but sure we'll talk more once i've i've done that stuff yeah i i i don't want to um you know kind of spoil that fight for you but i will say that no matter how high level you think you are right now, you probably aren't high enough level for that. The fight I was just talking about. Fine. It's 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 kind of a shame because that that fight feels like a legitimate Pokemon battle, and it's that far in the game to where you finally well, get that legitimate Pokemon fight. You and I had a similar conversation where it was like those two battles towards the end with trainers are the first time I feel like the trainer battles feel like legitimate trainer battles, and that's also a shame yeah yeah it's 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 kind of a shame that it's at the back end of the uh the entire game so i don't think like kind of what crossed, you're talk- that battle tower dlc is real i like to me there's no way that they don't drop some good dlc for this game to be honest with you because i, I just hope it's focused on pokemon battles is, is more so what i mean i guess well yeah and that's that's gonna lead me kind of to what you, reflecting on what you were saying that I hope that they don't you were saying I hope they don't go back to the traditional formula. I think that obviously this aspect of the game what it's focusing on, yes, I don't I hope they don't go back to the original formula, but there are other parts of the original formula that this game only reinforced for me as being exemplary, which are the trainer fights and the Pokémon fights that um well yeah, I don't think they should be exactly this, but I think they should there are certain things you can't go back on, which I think are, you need those bigger open spaces. You need the catching Pokemon in real time thing. And you need the seamless into battle thing. Like there can't be a transition screen anymore. It should be throw your Pokemon out. We're fighting right where we are. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I yeah. There there are certain things that we can't go back to. I don't think, or we shouldn't go back to. And I have a feeling that it's likely that they will. And I really hope that they don't, because what this game has managed to do is basically make a lot of that stuff that felt a little bit older now feel really fucking ancient in the game. And mm-hmm. so they, yeah. they definitely they need to work on some of that stuff a little bit more hopefully integrate some of that stuff but also yeah i i hope that they have something like a battle tower in this game because i felt like the the combat as a whole while it's not bad was kind of uh surface level and a little bit lackluster in this game until the very end yeah uh, the- now now that i've played this game as as much as i have the combat aspect of it is severely lacking did we did we talk about that on the show? The alleged leak of what the expansion will be. We did, yeah. Yeah, yes, that the, it's the the battle tower and also the the detective character from the end game of Diamond and Pearl. His ancestor will have a a sort of detective theme story that would also be an expansion. Yeah, I mean, we we did briefly mention the battle tower one, not the other one. I definitely think that there's going to be some awesome DLC for this because there's a ton of potential. Oh, that and people just absolutely loved and devoured this game. That yeah, if something wasn't no already planned, then they're they're gonna get to work on something, right? And I hope one of my hopes is that, like again, it doesn't really bother me that much at the end of the day. But I hope that they put more resources into it and hopefully improve the fidelity of it a little bit. Sure. Um, but I I hope that this isn't a one off game at the end of the day is my ultimate hope from this game because I've enjoyed I'd be happy my- to see Legends become a a Pokemon sub series that is like these research focused games. Right, even if they choose to essentially forego um introducing more of this stuff into the main series which I think would be a horrible mistake. horrible a horrible mistake, yeah. I I hope that if that is the choice made that this becomes a mainstay, this style of game, uh, the Pokemon Legends series becomes an actual series. So, remains to be seen, but... Pokemon uh, Legends Psyduck. Mm-hmm. I'd be cool with that. Hey, more content's more content. But, no, I, uh, as overall as a whole, I've really enjoyed this game a lot. I, I think there's a lot incredible... Like, and this resembles our thoughts from months and months or not months and months weeks and weeks is that there's a lot to do here and there's a lot of amazing things that this game is doing and i hope it continues to build and expand upon that hell yeah so um i will i will probably be posting i i mentioned this um uh, privately i'm gonna post our private part our final parties um i'm gonna post, post our my- private party post our private parties our our final parties and uh also i want to train my shinies up because i've gotten a lot of shinies at this point i want to i want to brag a little bit about that but yeah overall really really good game i've enjoyed the time that all of us have had playing it, and uh, i'm going to be curious to hear as josh gets more into the game when he um, what he thinks yeah what are his thoughts yeah yeah i want to know i want to know can, Can you show, you show me? me? I wanna know about these Pokemon games. <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna get uh, copyright stricken for that. Sorry, everybody. 
Yeah, but by which one though? Disney or Nintendo? Who's going to be the more aggressive they're gonna team one? up because uh, Sora's in Smash now, so now they're they're friends. They're going to dad dick mm. us. That's yeah. what you're saying. Mm. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> Pika Pika. Anyways, uh, Dying Light Two. Yes. Rich, out of all three of us, you are the one who decided to take the plunge. Yeah. Um, Dying Light Two. Uh, I do. You, either of you have experience with the first Dying Light? Because I have a very, very little bit. My experience is buying the game, saying I was going to play it, and then never getting around to it. Okay. Um, Josh, nothing for you? Nope. On that first one? Okay. Um, so a lot of people really, really like the first Dying Light. I played a little bit of it, and I, I understand what they like about it. Um, it was billed as like this very parkour-heavy first-person action zombie game uh, with co-op elements. And... The first game is interesting because it takes place in a quarantine zone like immediately after the zombie outbreak has happened. The setup of Dying Light 2... I'm going to go out on a limb and call it stupid. <laughs> um, because it's stupid for one specific reason. The virus from Dying Light 1 was cured. And we as a people kept experimenting with it to create weapons and created a second worse virus. Oh my god. Uh, and Dying Light 2 takes place 15 years after the, the outbreak. Like, so most of civilization is destroyed. Um, they're just sort of these fringe cities that have survived. And the interesting change in the dynamic of, as you might have guessed from the name Dying Light, um, there is a day and night cycle. And in the first Dying Light, this was also true that, like, zombies are mostly inactive during the day. Um, and at night, they come out in fucking hordes. And the idea is that during the day, because they are damaged by UV light, um, most of them are hibernating indoors. And there are a lot of complicated indoor structures in the huge Dying Light map. Um, and at night, it isn't so safe to travel the streets because they are crawling with zombies. Um, so you basically want to stick to rooftops. But the trade-off of why you want to be out at night is the indoor environments are mostly empty at night, and that's where all the valuable loot is. Um, the other mechanical change in Dying Light 2, which actually ends up being really interesting and really challenging in the early game until you level yourself up a little bit, is unlike the first game, the city you're living in, in this one, everyone in this city has the virus. But UV light if, can prevent you from turning. So basically, all these people sleep under black lights um, because if they stay out of UV for too long, they will turn. And they have like these bracelets that monitor the level of the infection on them. Um, so, and there are sort of like booster inhaler shots you can take to fight it back, or you can bathe yourself in UV light for a little bit. You um, just inject the sunlight right into yourself to cure the virus pretty much yeah like the how of it is stupid but it doesn't matter because it makes for an interesting mechanic which is that when you're moving around at night you're basically a ticking time bomb um and you need to either find areas that are rigged with uv light and hang out there for a little bit to cool yourself down or take one of these boosters so you can keep moving um and there were a few times in the early game where you can't survive for more than like a few minutes early on until you really boost yourself outside of UV. Um, obviously human structures, like the settlements they've made are all completely rigged up with black lights at night. So like basically you're safe while you're in that encampment. Like it's, 
beaming down there's there's no danger to be had when you're in civilization but you'll find what rooms do, what, in... what do you want to die from the zombies or the skin cancer you're going to get from sitting under the uv <laughs> yeah light? that's mm-hmm. that's a great question that's a, that's a really good point um but Man, there are sure uh, a lot of velvet poster artists who uh were just yeah every prime position to to take advantage of this uh this new society they yeah, found every, themselves um, in the dude who lived the your your older brother who lived in your basement uh mm-hmm. well into his 30s is like you know the the true hero of dying light 2 uh but no it is it's a cool concept because it makes you think about things differently um also that whole concept of the hordes hit the streets at night and uh these sort of like loot these buildings you loot um at night are where your valuables are it's interesting because one you're weighing like how much time you have to dive down into the the merc and get the shit and get out and also the more challenging times i found myself getting fucked up at times were not even like i shouldn't have gone into this building during the day i'm an idiot there i spent too long in this building and now the sun is coming up and the zombies are coming back and i need to get the fuck out um i think i also shared with you guys privately that like this is a game worth playing with headphones on i'm playing on the ps5 version because there's some really good audio design in terms of like when you're out during the day, there's like a few zombies on the street, but things feel mostly safe. Um, when the sun sets, the audio changes to a hellscape. Just it sounds like a fucking gr- meat grinder just of groans, sc- distant screams and gunshots and explosions like the city just turns to hell in a way that I think is really cool. Mm. Um. I think the stories and, ca- and characters mostly suck. Uh, <laughs> the environments are cool, and it's a really fun sandbox. The guy doing the voice of uh, Ethan in Dying Light 2, the main character, is doing a really great Nolan North impression. But as a character, Ethan is about as interesting as a piece of cardboard. Mm. And it, it's a really fun world to play around in. I just don't have, like any real interest in the main story. I've been doing a lot of the side activities and that parkour stuff makes it really fun to move around. Um, I was going to ask you about that, how the parkour is in the game. Cause it, it looks like a lot of fun. I did some research about the first one and there's some weird choices that make it feel a little stilted early on. Like they take away some abilities that are apparently already out the gate in the first game. Hmm. Um, so it almost takes you like a few hours to kind of get enough skill points to get that stuff back. Like, you don't have the wall run out of the gate, which was a staple in the first game, which feels weird. Um, that was a really yeah. good choice. Like, once you get it back, things feel really good again. And I wanted to actually give a tip to anyone starting this game because I feel it's important and they're not going to explain it to you well when you start the game. Stamina is so much more important than health in this game. I would recommend anyone, when you're doing the upgrades, because you're either upgrading health or stamina, I as a rule, have been upgrading stamina over health at a 3 to 1 ratio. Because how high your basic stamina level is and how high your basic health ability is changes where you can put your skill points. Being like, you need to have a certain base stamina to unlock these parkour abilities Mm, and a certain mm. base health to unlock these combat abilities. The parkour abilities are 30 times more important than combat because... Combat is good and it's it's serviceable. Combat is really fun, but a lot of the time you're going to be more concerned about getting out of a fight rather than surviving one. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, because I, I would imagine a zombie game, you're feeling overwhelmed, so your your natural inclination is to run away. Exactly, um, and not just that, like, to explore these exterior and interior environments, a lot of the time you need a lot of stamina to be able to, like, climb these tall towers and make these jumps and stuff like that. Hmm, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering why they gated some of that stuff, but... Yeah, I guess it was... Uh, my read of it is like to try and keep you a little more grounded in the early game to explore the more local areas because it is a really big map um there's a, a lot of stuff going on and there's some faction war stuff like i haven't gotten far enough into the story to really judge how your actions change the map because from what i understand there are some pretty big story implications based on the different factions and who you really side with because there's it has like territorial zones in the map and based on who you're siding with basically when you get a windmill which are basically the fucking ubisoft you know far cry towers of this game uh whoever controls like the nearby areas faction wise is going to take control of that zone and in okay. other zones you can assign a faction to them and there's sort of like a militaristic like no nonsense like uh faction that's like remnants of the u.s army or whatever there's more of like a bandity, like murder, renegade one. And then there are the survivors that are just, you know, a group of people who have banded together to try and, you know, form a community and survive. And hmm. they're all sort of assholes in their own way. Uh, you get to decide, do you want to side with the assholes with the military grade firepower or the assholes who are just trying to stake their claim in the world? That's that's one of the things that I've kind of gotten tired of just zombie games in general is it seems like every story it's just littered with assholes and I, I get it. I, I, how, how can you be positive in, in a world that, you know, is going to hell in a handbasket? It's easy to be cynical. And I, I, I would imagine I myself would probably kind of line up with that, that, that thought process of being angry and being cynical in the, in that situation. Like how could you not? But I'm just I'm I'm really getting tired of that in in zombie games is you're just yeah which asshole do I want to align with this one or this one which asshole do I want to talk to this asshole or that asshole yeah and it's it, it old might it could be a little more nuanced than that as the story goes on right now I really don't see myself um siding with the peacekeepers which are the more militaristic guys because I'm like you guys are both kind of assholes but these assholes have way too much firepower and I don't really care for the way they talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that fucking name alone yeah. doesn't inspire like, you any think, kind of confidence. Y you really think something of yourself when the name of your group is the Peacekeepers. Right? Just, just self-important at that point. Yeah. They are yeah, the, uh, the Peacekeepers. Yeah, they, they, they think who the fuck they are, and I, I'm not here for it. I think it's time you wipe them out single-handedly, Rich. Well, listen, I got, got to a mission where I took back the water tower and I had to decide who I was giving control of the water tower to, and it was not those assholes. They don't deserve it. They sure don't. I, I firmly believe that. But okay. yeah, I, it, I've got it... a solid five hours into it so far. It's a big game. Um, I'm going to keep, keep going with it. I'd, I'd like to get some words up on the site about this at some point, whether I see it all the way through to the end, because it is a huge game. But I want yeah, to put I was enough time. Say five hours of four hundred and ninety-five left to go. It's a huge game. I want to put enough that I feel like I've really given what it has to see a chance. 
Yeah. Th- there's a lot of good here. I just don't really think the story is doing much for me, but the sandbox and the gameplay are like bar they're really good. They're um Okay. I think I said to you guys privately that like in terms of there's so many like this is a Far Cry clone, one of those open world games. Mm. This has a lot of that, but it's way more interesting than like your typical Far Cry because the combat and the traversal are a cut above and the world is a cut above. Yeah, the 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 traversal is the big draw there for me that really stands out compared to other zombie games where you kind of feel like you have it's run that mirror's jump. edge movement. Yes, that is very appealing in this style of game, which is why I was interested in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you think it's worth checking out at a sixty dollars price tag so far? I would say so. I think it's re- there's a lot of game there, and it's really fun. And also, it has co-op. So if you happen to pick it up, we could we could always play a little together. I got to make sure it's like mm. I, I'm on PS5 though. I got to make sure you're like cross gen. It'll let you do that. Yeah, that's that's a big question. Since I can't fucking find a PS5 here in Japan mm. to save my life, but um, okay, cool. Well, I mean, thank you for taking that plunge, and I'll be curious to hear more of your thoughts. Yeah, Oops. I'll definitely keep playing more of that and, and give you guys an update next week. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear it. Josh, you've been playing Sifu a little bit here and there. Tell me, tell and me. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, about it. yeah, I streamed some of that on uh, Tuesday. Um, and then uh, I've been playing a little bit more of that through the week. Uh, it is a video game action game so. style, uh, like fighting game. Uh, it's hard to explain exactly what it is. It's Closer to like an action game, a la something like Devil May Cry or, you know, one of the Platinum games or something sort of ish. Seems but, a little more deliberate than that, though. But yes, know. way slower paced and more deliberate type combat. Well, almost like I was I was mentioning to Rich earlier on during the week that it's 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 very close to something like God of War, uh the uh the reboot. Um mm. that has, you know, like a pretty deliberate, you know, you get in combat with a bunch of guys and it is very much about triaging the situation to make sure that you don't get completely overwhelmed. Um, and right. it is a similar sort of a feeling in this one where you're not just completely destroying, you know, tons and tons of little dinky enemies that they throw at you. Everything's kind of a threat and it's a matter of uh, managing juggling, juggling all these things that you've got going on Mm. around you. Um, Which is neat. Kind of picking and choosing where where you engage and where you don't. Um, Yes-ish. Yes-ish. There's, it's, it's way more you're in this fight. There's, there's not like, um, there are, there are sections where you can kind of pick which direction you want to go in the levels. They're not completely, you know, tunnel from start to finish. But mm. um But once you're in a fight, you're kind of in a fight with everyone who's who's there, who's noticed you. Uh it's not not so much, you know, tr- try to gently pull aggro from this one guy over there or anything like that. It's like 
you pick a fight with anybody in this building and, and you know, all their friends know. Um, right. Which is neat. Like, I, I think the combat is really solid for what it's doing mostly. Um, okay. The thing I've got the biggest problem with so far is that the block slash parry slash dodge mechanic in the game is overly complicated for a genre that generally has a parry. Um, Mm. And most of the timing windows are built around that sort of reaction. Like um, the attacks coming in right now, you need to react and time your your block perfectly but you're not just doing that you're deciding whether or not you're parrying or if you're doing you know a a high dodge a low dodge a left dodge a right dodge or a back dodge One fish, two which fish. which are not which are not a your duck l- dot dot duck dodge dip dive dodge dive, exactly dodge. exactly um which it's which are Part of your block, part of your block, but if you're holding block and move in a direction, it will, it's not like a parry, but it's like you just sidestep at the very last moment and are then, you know, you have the upper hand. You can kind of turn things from there because it's not, there is a dodge button that's just, you know, do a, you know quick movement in in, in one direction then you really got it yeah um but it's it covers way more distance and is way slower so it's not really the same sort of a tool at all um right you're a fucking tool it's true um (laughs) the where did that come from i don't know i just thought it'd be funny um but anyway because that combat kind of requires you know what's coming at you like it's or on you the the it's it's it feels like it's not really something you react to so much as you die over and over again and learn what the combat is going to be when mm. when you get into the encounter um okay almost more something you know like uh, Dark Souls style, mm. you know, just learn the combat encounter. <laughs> so it's the um, Dark Souls of action games. I mean, yes, oh, yes, oh, but just because, I mean, it doesn't have to be is kind of the issue. Like the timing windows aren't so tight that it's like, you could, you could react to a lot of this here if the, if you had less you know specific reactions that you needed to make to these attacks um i mean kind of i think i think the sweet spot that we've i don't know i think it's a sweet spot anyway is sekiro having three fucking got him he He didn't feel so good about himself yeah just just having the you know just like a normal block parry whatever and then the Mm. jump for low attacks and then your your other, I can't remember the name of the thing, but for whenever you're getting stabbed at, 
like anyone lunging at you. So just just three Repost. things to mm. deal with. Um, no, it was it's it has, it, it's some other. It starts with an M or something. But anyway, um, it's Mugen. It's a fighting. Um, I don't know. That felt like the sweet spot to me as far as Mankas. number of things that that you can react to, and well, and also the attacks that uh, you do something other than block are way more telegraphed mm. in Sekiro as well, uh, with their great big right. audio cue and flashing, you know, symbol above the enemy's head. Um, it's it's way more obvious that you need to do something other than just block this attack. Uh, whereas mm. in Sifu, the limb that's about to attack you glows. And that's, that's oh, about that's cool. all the, the, you know, UI that you get saying that you're, you need to do something other than just block this attack. Um, <laughs> Right, which is just a much smaller thing to try to keep track of, especially in a group fight sort of a scenario. Um, hmm. And it just gets to the point where it's it's kind of a bit much to keep track of, unless like there's there's you also unlock more abilities that kind of give you additional crowd control type sweeping attacks and whatnot. So you might, it might just be one of those things that you eventually get to the point where you're, you're doing way less juggling of, you know, trying to even block attacks when you've got that many people around you. It it, it might just be something right. as simple as that. Like it's, it's just sure. kind of, it's built around having different tools than I do at the start. Um, so it, it, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um, how does combat? How far change? in oh, how sorry. far in the how far in the game are you right now, Josh? I am two levels in. Um, okay. The other thing that I think is really cool about this game, and probably my my favorite thing about it, is it is doing a progression style that I really like. It is it is. Um, Whenever you get the, the the kind of uh gimmick in this game is that when you would die, you've got this magical pendant charm something or other that brings you back to life but ages you um like early on it ages you one year um and the more you die, it'll age you faster and faster um until you know you just you there's there's no bringing you back um mm. and whenever you beat a level it will essentially save you save save whatever the lowest age is that you got to the end of that level with that's then the spot you can start the next level from um which kind of gives you more of a leg up so it's it's really about mastering the different levels, which is kind of, again, why I think they probably are leaning into that replay this a bunch until you just memorize all the attack patterns style of, uh, you know, framework for this combat. Right. Uh, more so than right. just reacting as it happens. Um, 
And that's kind of where the, like, the fighting game aspect of it also comes into play to some degree mm-hmm. as well. Yes, yeah, because it's, it's very similar to, like, a fighting game, like, a you know, standard 2D fighting game with, like, you know, high, mid, and low block sort of a thing. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Just way more to juggle, but, again, this is a 3D one, so, of course, you've got more axes to, to block on. Like a lot of the other 3D fighting games, they get way overcomplicated until the point where, fuck, I'm not going to try. I can button mash. Um, <laughs> this this is not there, um, at least yet. Uh, they do a good job of not giving you a lot of combos early on. Uh, kind of like okay. I was saying early, earlier. Um, the other side of the progression is like a standard skill tree that you unlock different... Um, like special attacks and combos and, and whatnot um, just from getting experience from, from, the, from the combat going through these levels. Um, and, uh, you know, they give you the standard Metroid intro playing as someone with everything unlocked for like the first little bit of the game and then you, know, you switch characters and you're playing as someone else and kind of have to unlock all those tools you had just moments earlier. Sort of a thing. Um, and when, once you're on the character who has way, way less tools, um, it really does seem like the, the focus is, is on the defensive side of things, with the parry being just extremely strong compared to all your other tools at that point in the game. Um, I think I think to really put the the focus on you need to watch what the enemies are doing. Uh it's just that is the important thing here. Learn learn who you're fighting against and mm. uh just just master that. Um Okay. It's okay. I don't know. I'm I'm torn on it because I feel like they're doing a lot of really cool things. Um this the the progress system is something that is basically right out of Pinout, which is a mobile pinball game um, from several years ago that is excellent and has one of the best soundtracks of all time on it and doesn't get enough love. Um, and that, no, that's, that's, that is something, that particular like uh, progression mechanic is something that I've, I like. I, I really think that's a cool way to handle that sort of a thing. Um, mm. it, it it almost it almost feels like a you know automated save state sort of a thing. Like oh, I'm just gonna play through here until I get it the best, and then you know I'll just here. This this is the best I've ever been in this state, and then I can go on from there and try again. It's kind of like mm. they automated that. Is is the sort of feeling. Um, but instead of, you know, doing a bunch of save scumming and whatnot, it's more about you just kind of mastering the game itself and it handling that for you. Um, right. Just really streamlining the process, and it is great. That That is probably one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, okay. So are you gonna, are you going to stick with this game then, you think? Because I, I know you're kind of... When we were talking about it earlier in the week, you were kind of 50-50 on it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely going to stick with it through the level I'm on because I've already learned a lot of the combat in it, so I've kind of 
I should know most of the encounters. I'll probably be able to kind of force my way through it. Mm. I'm not a big fan of the way they handle the learning fights in this game. Um, because of, like I was saying before, there, there are too many options for what you're suppo- how you're supposed to react to enemies. Mm. Um, and it ends up feeling more like memorization than like free-flowing, you know, reacting to the combat scenarios uh, in a lot of ways. Okay. And that's frustrating. Um, I can understand that. I like, it gets, it gets to the point where, like, you'll do... Fight a room full of guys, see a mini boss, they'll kill you four times, at which point you know all the patterns, they'll never hit you again. Sort of a feeling to it. And that's neat, that's sort so- of. Like, it's, yeah, like, it, it, like, parts of that are cool. Like, there's, there's a place for that, but you should be able to react more, more immediately to what's happening. And I think a big part of it is just the way attacks are telegraphed is not good. Uh, and it's more about getting hit by something and then knowing what it's going to do. Okay. It, um, Especially with like, you know, the high and low attacks, because a lot of them you can tell somebody crouches down. They're about to do a big sweep attack under your feet. Okay, I got that. Um, But a lot of times they'll do combos and they're just spinning around so fast that it's like, okay, I have no idea if the next thing is going to be, you know, a high attack or just something I can block or like it's it's Mm. just. It, it's it ends up being frustrating. Uh, the learning process ends up feeling because in something like Dark Souls, a lot of times they give you options for stalling out a fight way longer than usual. You're not going to win it by using these strategies, but it's ways to see more of the fight. Mm. Um, and I feel like there aren't a lot of good ways to just kind of screw around and see all the attack patterns. Um, I mean, you could kind of sort of just dodge roll around all over the place while you're trying to watch it, but... But that's not fun. It's not fun. Yeah, it feels like you're... I don't know. I don't know. There's not a great solution for this, I feel like, because even even a lot of the Souls games run into this, where you get just kind of... stuck in these spots where you're going through the same motions over and over again to kind of try to learn one thing. Um, yeah, any kind of progress is stalled by the difficulty or the learning curve of the game. Yeah, yeah, and this is this feels a lot like that um, because the whole thing is based on these level runs. If you're having a hard time with the last boss, you've got to learn the entire level up to the last boss. Um, cause it, it ends, it ends up feeling like the dark souls bosses where there's not a safe spot anywhere near the boss you're having a hard time with. It, it mm. ends up feeling a lot like that in places. And that's, that's kind of where I like, all right, this, these are the bits that I feel like we've gotten better with 
there there are just as that series has gone on there are less and less of these you know fights where you have to you know clear out tons of guys to get the thing you're actually stuck stuck on mm. um and some some of the areas feel a lot like that okay where okay. it's just the the thing you're actually having a hard time progressing on you don't get enough practice on it because it's kind of so far down the road um mm. but, okay but even That's that they they kind of mm. sorry they um you you can tell that they they're they're kind of throwing you a bone here and there there are like little level up shrine things that you can find in a level that are all You've got options for perks you can pick from it, and they're gated off to you based off of how well you're doing currently. Um, hmm. So, if you are learning the rest of the level really well, trying to get to the last, you know, boss and fight them, if you're doing better as you go through there, you'll be able to unlock better perks than you okay. were on your last run, uh, just because you should be doing better getting to them so even if you're not learning the last boss as much as you should you should at least be stronger going into it um right. a little bit so i don't know like it seems like they have release valves here and there to stop from getting too frustrating which which i like uh it's just that i i don't know especially early on i feel like just mastering the combat systems is complicated enough that there's just a lot going on at the beginning i think it might just be one of those Learning curve is really steep at the beginning, and, you, and then you'll hit a stride and kind of plow through quite a bit more quickly. Right. And I right. feel like I'm still on that first bit of the slope, which is something that'll, you know, a lot of a lot of action games, a lot of Souls-style games are very front-loaded in the way they teach you things. Right. Um, Right, absolutely. And I'm I'm I don't know. I'm having a hard time telling what are flaws in the way things are presented. And I still I still think the way attacks are signposted is not great. I don't mm. I don't see myself changing my opinion on that too much. But hopefully once I know the rest of the system's a little bit better, it'll be something I can pay more attention to because I'm not thinking about absolutely everything else at the same time. Mm. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it feels from there. It might just be one of those just difficulty spikes that you get over and then smooth sailing. Right, so. you have a lot more fun with it. You understand the systems. It flows a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious to hear more of your thoughts as you get further into the game then and see if like it's something that you want to end up sticking with and come around on in the coming weeks. Yeah. But we don't have too much longer because then we have Horizon coming out next week and stuff like that. So I can only imagine how mm-hmm. much more time. Like you're, you're probably you you probably have like a a set amount of time you're willing to devote at this point before you're like, eh, diminishing returns for yeah. you. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. But okay, mm-hmm. and we have one last game to discuss, which is Ollie Ollie World. Rich has been playing that. Hell yeah! Um, I picked up Ali Ali World on the Switch. I don't know if um, either of you. I I really like the Ali Ali games. I don't know if either of you played Ali Ali or Ali Ali Two. I've never. Not no. I. 
Um, so yeah, the the original two games are um, they're kind of billed as like skateboarding platformers, but like the easiest way to explain it is they are runners where you are on a skateboard, um, mm. doing skateboard tricks. Um, and the original two games are like really mechanically fun. Same is absolutely true of this, but Ali Ali World is such a departure in tone and art. Um, it's entered like a 2.5D sort of look, but the gameplay is still the same 2D platforming runner uh, where you were on a skateboard doing tricks and combos for scores. Hmm. Um, but this game fucking looks like Adventure Time now. Which is oh, really dope. Which is really cool. Like, if you look up a screenshot, you're like, that's Adventure Time. This is what they did there. Um, straight up to the point of like, there's bananas walking around and shit. Um, I can't dislike that yeah no it's got a vibe it's um and it's gone all silly and cartoony in its tone it is now set in radland um (laughs) and there are four basically the setup is uh there is there were these skateboarding gods and the world of skateboarding was held together um by a skateboarding wizard who is now looking for a successor so you were going around trying to prove yourself uh to be the, the proper successor to become the next skate wizard. And you have to travel through all the lands. It has the world aspect of it comes from it having a super Mario world style overworld. Okay. Uh, that's cool. With, with these four different lands where you need to learn from each of the skate gods. Uh, when, when you have finished a world, you can then skate with, uh, learn some special abilities and some, and skate with them in Nirvana. Uh, where all the <laughs> skater Narvana. gods. Yeah, it's it's. I, I love, fucking love that. All the naming conventions in this. There's a ton of customization for your character and stuff you unlock as you proceed. Um, it's just so bright and colorful and fun and like the the gameplay is basically unchanged and that's fine because the gameplay of Ali Ali was good, but it's so much more aesthetically pleasing now. Um, there is um. I think I paid I paid thirty I paid forty five for mine. I want to say it's a thirty dollar game, but there's a uh, forty five dollar version that nets you some extra collectibles, and you prepaid for both planned DLCs by getting that version, which okay. is a pretty good deal. Um, right. There's a lot of daily challenge stuff. Uh, there's challenges in each level to unlock some extra cosmetic stuffs that I kind of want to go around and do all of them. I finished like the first two worlds. Um putting probably four four and a half ish hours into this okay. um it's easy to sink time into because i picked it up on switch which makes it even even better for that sort of stuff right uh but just like the first two just a delight to play and the like aesthetic revamp i think adds so much because there's so much charm to it now like even beyond the just this is a fun tight uh little running platformer that happens mm. to feature skateboards uh, but now it looks all sorts of bonkers and the writing is funny and witty and weird. And I, I really like the direction they've taken it in. The, the way that you've described kind of like some of the naming, me, not mechanics, the naming conventions. Con- <laughs> thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> the naming conventions and, um, just like the humor. And it reminds me a lot of Psychonauts too. What's this game we just played and we all sure loved. yeah there's there's definitely some elements of that in it like they're having fun with yep much the idea like psychonauts where the world is sort of built around these psychics like this is just a world built around skateboarding 
Right, and it's not taking it, like, as it shouldn't take itself too seriously, but it sounds like it's not trying to take itself too seriously. Not even a a little bit in a way that is just great. Narvana, I love that so much. (laughs) Uh, Narvana becomes a section on the map that you can go to, and there's some daily challenges that pop up every day in Narvana, uh, which is a fun way to kind of keep you engaged with that stuff. I fucking love that. I love that. That's dope. Cool. Well, you're definitely going to be playing more of that, I imagine, because that's yeah, right up your alley. that I 100. percent I mean, I I don't think I'll have it up by the time this podcast is out, but probably sometime next week I will have a review up for this because I'm flying through it. Cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's go take our final break before we do uh, social media polls and we get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back. Good people of the earth, if you're here listening to the Chompcast. I want to say a big thank you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Chompcast isn't the only podcast that we do. That's right! We have Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews game developers about the creation of their games. We also have Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the story of video games, as well as the occasional TV show and movie. And lastly, our newest podcast, Chomping at the Bits, went live just a few months ago, where myself and some friends break down the historical relevance of popular video games over the years. We have tons of content, and we'd love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, or over at the Sword Chomp website. Now, if you ladies are done gabbing, I have some shit to do. Hey guys, we're back. We are back, baby, back, baby. I don't know what that was. But uh, we're going to do some social media polls now. And I'm really excited for these polls. Um, I think some good talking points by yours truly. Uh, let's start with the first one. <laughs> this quarter one onslaught of games has got me feeling. Um, 62% of people said overjoyed games. And 40% of people said anxious, my poor wallet. And um, I'm definitely in the 40% that are like, fuck, my poor wallet's going to suffer in this first quarter. Um, where are you guys at? Bro, I paid off Horizon uh, last week just so I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. Hmm. I was like, I just want this to, you know, I want to be able to, to walk. In, I want to be able to walk into the store I pre-ordered at, and like give my name and walk out without exchanging money, so I can feel good about myself. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. I ended up paying off Elden Ring at the same time. There yeah, I, I'm. I'm still not sure if I'm gonna. Well, I can't. I don't think I can. No, it's on PS4. I can play that one. Elden Ring is. I think. I don't. I'm, I'm, Am I mixing that up in Horizon? Probably. I think you're mixing that in Horizon up. I don't know if Elden Ring is on last-gen stuff. Let me check. I, I thought it was last time I checked, but I could be wrong. Um, Yeah, it's on PS4. Oh, okay. It's on Xbox One as well. So, Yeah, it's going to be on all the systems. There's one game that's going to be coming out. It's on out that SNES. I... <laughs> <laughs> it's on the PSP. It's on the now Sega there's... Nomad. There's there's one game that's coming out this year that I really want to play that's not going to be on um, past-gen systems. So I really need to try and get a PS5. What game but, is that? 
Um, well, I know you, Forspoken is one. That's not one that. I, oh, it's uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. That's not on past stuff. No. I guess I'm just PS- thinking because it's on PC. Like, it's gonna be on PS5 and PS PC only. Yeah, I'm really eager for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I I really gotta get a PS5 for that, and I want to still play the Final Fantasy VII content that I missed. But anyways, it's really um, good content. Yeah, but I don't mean to make you lose a uh, lose a uh, focus here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not your fault. That's my fault. But um, yeah, I uh, I I'm really excited for um the what the quarter one is gonna look like. It's one of the strongest first quarters in gaming that I think I've ever experienced, or at least in recent memory. You know, I could very well be wrong about that, but it is a an extremely strong quarter one coming well, out the gate. What we're seeing is, and it isn't fully that all that, but it's a big portion of it is I think we're seeing the first wave of like post COVID games that were pushed back because of COVID. Yeah. Like we're seeing that first wave of like, all right, here's a bunch of games that would have been out a while ago if not for COVID. Right. I like how you're gonna say post COVID and you're like, wait, shit, we're still in that. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear I can hear that, yeah, but no, you're you're right. I maybe, think that's a, maybe the setup for Dying Light 2 isn't that silly. Yeah. Oh, that's like I didn't want to I didn't want to inject that while you were talking about the game, yeah. but yes. I, yeah. I definitely when you said like they created a virus fifteen years later, I was like yeah i could see that (laughs) so um yeah yeah definitely some mission accomplished banners over a mass grave vibes yeah going on with this pandemic here yeah covid 2 electric boogaloo Mm -hmm. but um yeah I'm, i'm really excited for this first quarter it's it's gonna be a strong quarter so agreed a lot of fun we're going to have a lot of content coming out of this. So I'm excited for that. Uh, the next poll I did was, oh man, that Ghostwire Tokyo trailer has me busting through my jeans. <laughs> I mean, it has me coming. Uh, you know it, baby, or nah, limp as a noodle. 67% of people are really excited based off that trailer. And I think that number is incredibly and sadly low. Yeah, it's it that game looks fucking awesome and uh to add to the list of stuff that reminds me of BioShock that gets me turgid. Um we also found out that Atomic Hearts is coming is going to release this year as well today. Yep, and trailer drop for that and that's another BioShock like looking thing I'm here I'm Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. for. Yeah, the, like people who are BioShock fans this year is your year. Hell yeah. Yeah. Absolutely excited for Ghostwire Tokyo. I you know I didn't know entirely what that game was, but the aesthetic immediately drew me to that game, which is why I've been excited. And, you know, when we talked about most anticipated back in January, it was still topping my list as one of the games I'm most hyped for just because of that aesthetic. And now getting an actual look at that gameplay has me even more excited than I already was. I was always intrigued, but now that we have seen what it is, like even more so, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. And barring that sort of gameplay which is a thing i absolutely adore with uh that sort of like modern uh tokyo aesthetic which is not something we've seen that type of game uh paired with before is really interesting yes yes exactly mm-hmm. josh are you any more hyped for it after seeing that trailer um i don't know about eh i mean probably now that we know what the <laughs> hell it is 
it's that's the important bit. That's kind of what you and I said during yeah. when we were talking about anticipating. Be like, sure, like it's cool, but I have no idea what it is. So please yeah. show me. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I don't know if I'd say more hyped so much as the hype exists. Fine, now in feeling some form. as hyped as I was because it was it was you know it was it was a tentative. It was a the hype was penciled in before the trailer is more of what it was. But now you can say it's actually a thing you're interested in playing. So yes. that's something. Yeah. Hmm. That's fair. Okay. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Oh, remains to be seen how good of a game it'll be, but mm-hmm. yeah, at least you two will get to play it. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, mm-hmm. Sifu has been the hot game this week. I think a lot of people were talking about it. I asked the fans, are you planning on, on playing it? If you already are playing it, just click yes. Um, 50% of people said, I'm keen. 43% of people said, eh, I don't think so. Which is interesting. I think 50-50 is a good split for that style of game, especially something that is not, like, in the AAA sphere. That I think it's sense. a game you can look at and know whether or not it's it's for you based off that. I definitely want to get to Sifu, but I don't know when that'll happen with all the games that are happening right now. Right, yeah. it's not... It's not on the top of my list. It is on my list, but um, there are definitely other games that are making the list um, much sooner. They're just much higher on the list, I guess, Mm -hmm. is the best way to put that. Take priority. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Words are failing me today. And that English degree to good use. At least one of us is putting their degree to good use. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no one on this podcast true uh the last poll that we did this week uh at the time of this poll this this happened uh this headline dropped a few days ago are you surprised that halo dropped out of the top five so soon and the the um poll reads halo infinite has fallen outside of xbox's top five and outside of steam's top 100 so I was asking, are fans surprised that it has dropped that quickly? And, um, excuse me, 71% of people said no surprises here. And 29% of people said, I'm shocked. Uh, what, like, what do you guys feel? Do you guys think that that is kind of a crazy, crazy happening this early on? Because this game hasn't even been out. Well, I guess it's been out a little over two months at this point. Uh, I don't think it's that nuts i mean i had a lot of fun with that multiplayer but like it burned bright and then in the the age current age of gaming unless something has that true esports like constantly updated with an evolving meta like hero shooter sort of staying power it kind of burns and crashes like maybe they'll put out some new content that'll bring people back to the multiplayer but i can't say it surprises me hmm and Josh, I'm sure you probably feel similarly, correct? What are we talking about? It's the <laughs> it's uh the Master Chief game. The I'm sorry, that's that's the uh he's the shooty boy with the 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 computer lady in his head. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Big green. Yeah. The green meanie. Yeah. Hulk. Who? Hulkamania. We're talking about Hulkamania. That's right, brother. What are you gonna do <laughs> when Master Chief? <laughs> Master Chief? Twice so green for legal reasons. 
because he smokes so much green. But um, anyways, uh, what a couple of the things I want to say about this is because I was actually a little bit shocked, but not that shocked. I think it makes sense, and I wanted to talk about like some of the reasoning I've seen online and my own reasoning, and see what you guys think about this. So I think one of the big issues with this game is that obviously we've talked about how it didn't have multiplayer or sorry co-op right out the gate. I think that's a big problem, but I think that's a microcosm of a much bigger issue with this game. And that is it doesn't feel like a, a platform for social interactions. And yeah. you, you you look at you look at games like Fortnite and Apex Legends and other shooters on the market that is what why they're so popular. They feel almost like social media platforms in a way. And this is something we talked about years back um, when we were talking about um, kind of like the social media aspect of these styles of games of battle royales. And that's why they've grown in popularity. That's what Halo and other shooters need to kind of thrive. I mean, Call of Duty has even went into that direction. Um Halo had a that, that was part of what was so appealing about Halo is the social aspect of it. You have the forge, you have a uh, firefight mode, you have all the different modes in multiplayer. And this game is missing all of that on top of the co-op. Yeah. So the the social aspect of this game is largely missing. It's 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 a pain in the ass to try and get friends into the lobby to play with you. I remember Rich and I played a few times with some friends yeah. and it was a pain in the ass to get people in on that. It was a weird struggle in a way that makes no fucking sense. Right. There's just a lot of issues with that, with the social aspect of this game. And that's largely why Halo has been so popular all these years. I mean, you think about you think about the the famous picture of uh, people assembling like a land party, and it wasn't for Halo, but um, assembling Think about the one where the guys duct taped the ceiling at the right. land party. Right, uh, exactly. Classic. And like that to me, when I think of Halo, I think of land parties like that. I think yeah. about the time when Halo Three came out, and seven, me and six other coworkers, we got a bunch of TVs together in, in the basement of one of our friends' um, houses, and we all just fucking played Halo together uh, through a land party. Yeah. That is what I think of when I think of Halo. And that is missing from this game. No, I think that's here. I think it is still very much bring your own friends. We're doing nothing to facilitate any of the social things. It is it is Which very just much doesn't work anymore. It's it's it, it is. It like it is very much the same thing. And yeah, like there's no reason to grind that. Like the, the shooters that have kept going, there's tons of shit to grind out. Like and they tried to do that here with experience that is way too fucking slowly doled out to then give you just the dinkiest armor upgrades in a game that doesn't have a fully fleshed out competitive scene and nothing to do, you know, once you've unlocked that like it's it's just <sighs> It, well, feels, it feels like a completely solo experience, even in the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's bizarre too because even um, with what you're talking about, Josh, the 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 battle pass shit has been handled horribly. Yeah, um, it's not even it's not even interesting. I I have zero percent interest in 
paying any money for that battle pass. Oh, I bought it immediately. I was really into that battle pass. I'm sorry, because I, I don't think that there's anything worth a value there. But I want to I want to be a hero of reach. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I I just I feel like there was no value in that battle pass. It wasn't advertised well. The progression yeah. system. I mean, honestly, I is... think the the paid stuff was more interesting unlocks, but you still had to play Halo to get any of it. And once you got it, it was all stuff that you had in Halo. Like, wh- what's the point of this? There's no social aspect to it. It's just. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't like it, it, the the trappings of it that are it's Halo are still really fucking good, but there's a lot of stuff around the edges that just I, I don't feel like they modernized in the right way. Well, they not only did they not modernize it in the right way, but they didn't release it on time. A lot of the shit that we just talked about is missing from the game. How? How do you how do you release a game as big well, as Halo and not have all those things in it. Shay, Shay, what do you want them to do? They're just Microsoft, just the most wealthy <laughs> video game company in the world. What are they supposed to do? Uh, I don't what know. What are they supposed to do? Port resources into making their video game? Doesn't make any I sense. Would, you sound I insane. Hope so. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just. I guess I'm just entitled and privileged and selfish. Yeah. No, I think what it's come down to is people are finally realizing that Halo aren't good games and. So we bounced off of this one faster than usual. I, I, I disagree with that. But yeah. Same, same. I disagree with that, too. <laughs> they made ODST, so it's not ODST's completely, completely oh, okay. vapid. Okay, all the Halos except for 4 and 5 and parts of this one are amazing. Man, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't go on board with you, Josh, and say that Halo games are bad. I've had a lot of fun with Halo games over the I years. Is, Halo is the fucking... I really like when Bungie used to make Halos. Well, that's exactly what I was just going to say, Rich. Yeah. The moment 343 Studios took over this is when I've enjoyed Halo less and less. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it could be a lot of the same people. It could be a studio dedicated, but they've not done a good job. Oh, yeah. To no, put, put, like with that split, plain. Destiny is absolutely the more I, interesting shooter at the moment i was, I was gonna say actually like i was i'm probably gonna get witch queen i have a lot of friends still playing destiny yeah um you know and that's doing I, the social aspect of it so I, much better you know who i really love first party sony studio bungie yeah yeah i i i don't know i i don't understand why I don't understand why they released the product that they released. It's there are a lot of good things to like about um Halo Infinite. But there are so many things missing. It doesn't feel like a complete experience. I like personally, I'm really thankful that the multiplayer was free. I, I do mm-hmm. think that the multiplayer is worth the time to play it because uh, it's free first and foremost and there's oh, yeah, a lot of fun. Absolutely. There's a lot of fun to be had, but there's not a lot of staying power with that multiplayer um unfortunately yeah you know uh and Mm. i just i i hope i hope that they can figure out how to sooner than later get a lot of that content out there and rebuild it up because we've seen games have tepid mediocre launches and then they come into themselves later on i mean destiny is a prime example of that that's how they've a lot of a lot of their stuff works like destiny 2 
and like this is me being objective as much as I don't like Destiny. Destiny 2, the base game was not a good game. It was a very, very flawed game with all the downloadable content and expansions that they put in the game now. I'm sure it's a much better game and I'm sure I'd actually enjoy my time with it more now if I were willing to not be biased and give it a chance. There's a lot more content there and it took time to get to that point. It's not even about the amount of content with that particular case. It's about how they structured it. Like they revamped that base game and it it, it really is a a nice a nice little game now. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um it's quality and quantity, I think, at the same time in this particular instance but yeah i i i don't believe that you know the halo infinite is like a dead in the water type of game or I think it's, it's fucked or close to it without some major overhauls um, well i what i was going to say is i think there's time for them to fix some of that stuff yeah like, sure. i hate i hate to harp on one little thing but their sensitivity settings on PC basically mean that it is it is dead. There is going to be no competitive scene with their chonky ass settings for how you can tune your your sensitivity in that game. Like you just I you like cannot you cannot set up this game to control anything like any other PC shooter. Mm. It just yeah. The settings are not there to do it. Um, right. I like Durandal. There's What's that. What's that? It's uh, the Marathon sequel. Ah, okay. I don't know anything about that. But, um, yeah, th- like, in, if they want to make Halo a part of the competitive scene again, yeah, they they definitely have some work that they need to do, and I, I, I believe they have some time to, to rectify that. I don't think that they're dead in the water. I don't think... I think that they have some months to try that out and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to be successful with it because I think that there's a lot to like about this Halo game and I think that there's a lot of potential that they can maximize um, if they make the right choices and they put in the the money and the effort. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's where we're at, so... Anyways, uh, that's it for the polls. If you ever want to vote on those, every Tuesday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, you can come over and vote on those polls. And uh, obviously, uh, the results are always interesting for us to kind of reflect upon and kind of take a temperature of where the the public perception is on some of these topics, which is always interesting for us. But um, check it out there. Uh, some back end of the show things, just some reminders and some things of that nature uh i i I kind of uh teased it in one of the episodes we did yesterday for chomping after dark i will be having some new evoking the sublime episodes going up at um here fairly soon i've been able to do some interviews i'm not gonna talk about who i've interviewed yet i'd rather kind of uh build up the suspense on social media for that but i i've managed to record three episodes at this point so there will be some new episodes going up for that um which is exciting Woo. new content there Woo. ray has got up uh, a new article up on the site um and obviously rich is going to be getting some new content up there shortly about reviews of games he's been playing and uh so there will be a lot of content flowing there i i feel like this year we've gotten a lot more towards the back end of last year and this year got a lot more content flowing 
in that space. So sure. uh, if you are into the written stuff of video games, please check out that section. There, there's a lot of content being put up there, and uh, we love writing those articles for you. So stuff for you to check out there as well. Uh, Rich, what do you want to preview your next episode going up on Chomping at the Bits? Yeah, or... um, I don't know the exact date yet because we've been recording it in the coming days, but uh, before the month of February is out, uh, the next Chomping at the Bits will be on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, that's exciting. It's the very first one Yep, as well, yeah? Yep. Did, were you able to uh, get Goldfinger to come on as a special guest? No, it turns out they're all dead. That is definitely not true. Yeah, no, it's definitely not true. <laughs> but they, they, they do have a restraining order against me. Why? It's none of your business. It's private. Okay, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. It's because okay. I keep going to their house dressed as a Girl Scout trying to sell them Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> and you're holding a red balloon in your right hand. Yeah, exactly. 99 red balloons go by. Has anybody seen 98 other red balloons? I lost them. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if somebody, like the lead singer, because he's the only original member in the band now, would get annoyed by that or he would love it. He, oh, he got really annoyed. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, but cool. So you'll be having that go up soon. Um, and I, I don't think the guys will mind that I say this. Uh, I started a new podcast recently that's unrelated to video games and sword chomp uh it's called a day in japan it's where i talk about daily life in japan i have episodes going up every two weeks on that just uh talking about dis- different aspects of living in japan uh you can check that out at a day in japan dot buzzsprout.com I, I don't i haven't really talked about that too much on here just because i know it's not sword chomp related but i know the guys won't mind me mentioning that um, we might a lot <laughs> i have to pay a fee to do that <laughs> but yeah we check said that 30 out. seconds shay wrap it up yeah <laughs> fucking hurry we'll, we'll it up. discuss ad rates next week <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> understandable but yeah check check that shot it's a lot of fun to do um it's completely different from what i do here and i think that is like new new content coming from us for the most part that um other than you know chomping after dark stuff we have um the new episode going up for patrons here in a, the next day or two, and that'll be available at the end of the month. We did that one. We just one recorded on, a really long uh, one. We did. We did uh, the most recent episode on Breath of the Wild, which was a really fun episode to do, and we'll have uh, our new one going up next month, which was, yeah, as Rich said, extremely long. Really fun episode to do there. But uh, that's going to do it for new announcements. Uh, other stuff, head over to SwordChomp.com if you like this episode where you can get more podcasts from us, such as um, Chomping After Dark, where we d- deep dive into the story of video games, and it is a spoiler-driven podcast. We have Chomping at the Bits, where Rich talks about the historical relevance of a video game, um, as he's going to be talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and kind of the influence that had for its time and current, current day as well. So he does that with some of his friends. Check that out. Um, we also have Evoking the Sublime, where I interview game developers, composers, and other people who work on video games to talk about the history and creation of one specific video game. Uh, so that that's always fun for me to do. I haven't gotten some new episodes of that up in almost two years. So finally getting some new episodes up feels real good. And um, that's podcast stuff. We also have... 
articles where we write uh, reviews and other things of that nature. We have a merchandise store where you have two days before it's Valentine's. Well, I guess if you're listening to this, Valentine's Day is already over with. So if you didn't get somebody Valentine's Day gift from our merch store, how dare you? How dare you? You motherfucker. You motherfucker. But, uh... <laughs> no, no, Josh, we don't have sword chomp condoms yet, but someday we will. Before mm. this venture is all over with, we will have a sword chomp condom. They're all labeled for they're your all chomping labeled regular. They gotta be flavored with something. They but, taste like tartar um, sauce. Gross. <laughs> what if I got hot sauce banana flavored that condoms? Sounds horrible. That sounds you, so you know there's bad. no way to pick which side the lube goes on on. That. Well, That's... no, that was that was actually the joke I was gonna make you go, ah, I did it wrong! I did it wrong! <laughs> <laughs> the sex is burning, why? Introducing sword chomp condoms, hot sauce banana flavored. Mm-hmm. FDA rejected. <laughs> <laughs> For nobody's pleasure. Um, but yeah, we have some awesome merch you can check out there. And the best way you can support us is because we are a 100% listener-funded um, business and venture that patreon.com slash is the best way you can help support us. Keep amazing content going like all those other podcasts and things of that nature. And you are rewarded for um, your your money and your hard-earned time and everything of that nature so um your your dollar in this company goes a very very long way uh we try and maximize it and make as much content as we possibly can off of it so uh yeah head over there if you are interested in supporting us and allowing us to make more content every little bit helps so thank you for that um we're gonna get out of here um the show's going on pretty long and it's been a very, very fun episode. I, I had a lot of fun doing this episode. I want to say thank you to Rich for being here from New York. Josh for being here from North Carolina. I was your host, Shay, calling in from Japan. We will be back on the next episode of the Chompcast. Thank you so much. Take care.